Welcome to your sanity safe space with your favorite YouTube podcast duo. Skag free, whoever he is. Get your quad fascist ass out of here! Saving the millennial generation in weekly installments. You are a terrific team on all counts. Live from a castle tower and his mother's basement, this, this is the Matt and Blonde Show. I'll lead an effective strategy to mobilize true and international over depression. <laughs> <laughs> hey, why the fuck is the gas so hot, bitch? Ms. Merchant, if you could ask a more precise question. Yes, please, give me the time period. <laughs> Mr. Wade visits you at the place you laid your head. <laughs> Has he ever visited you at the place you laid your head? So let's be clear, because you lied in this, this. Let me tell you which one you lied in, right here. I think you lied right here. No, 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 no. Oh, my God, bro. This is the truth, Judge. It, this it, is, it, it is a lie. It is gonna, a lie. Ms. Miller? You see. Mr. Sena, I thank you. We're going to take five minutes. Don't let the legalese fool you. If things are going in the direction we think Fonnie Willis lied to the court, it's game over for her. She will be disqualified if they had a relationship prior to when they represented to, to the court. You are fake news. That's disgusting. It's not against the law, whole fuck you. Very fake news. You want to do it now? I'd love to do it right now. Oh, that's a mess! That's a big game, man. Well, it's not my concern. Many of those people probably have AIDS. I agree with that. All right, America, go to the YouTube right now. Big ups to Rebecca for keeping Matt woke. Congratulations to both of you. You're awesome. All right, go, go. In five, four, three. I can't do it. We'll do it live. (laughs) Fuck it, we'll do it live. Hello and welcome to the show. It is a great show. It is a terrific show. It is a tremendous show, frankly. The very best you can ask anyone about that. People often do. I'm told this is the Matt and Blonde Show. My name is Matt Christensen. I'm flanked on my right, as always, by my wonderful co-host, Blonde. Welcome. Hello. I put together all the notes and the topics for the show tonight, and then I realized I forgot the biggest story of the week. Rachel Dolezal fired. Oh my yet gosh, again. that's right. Yeah. This time from a teaching job. And I know... Um, did you look at those OnlyFans pictures? I, I saw some of them. Uh, I did Her not body research. body great. You know, I got to say, we, we've had... Occasionally on this show, we've had uh, Rachel Dolezal sympathetic statements. And we even got a shout out from Rachel Dolezal in the show intro. People might not be aware, but... I like Rachel Dolezal. I don't know what to say here. The the uh, the only the, blight on her character is the OnlyFans. You, you can't be a teacher and be on OnlyFans. But in True. fairness to Rachel Dolezal, she's followed on tough times. Okay. Yeah. Um. No, I and I don't want to joke around that. You can't do that. Okay, I get it. I'm not. Def- I'm not saying she was wrongly terminated or something like that. Um. But yeah, your point on. Uh, well, um, I'm not going to subscribe. Let me put it that way. I'm not going to subscribe to the OnlyFans. However, for a woman of her age. She seems like she's taking care of herself. So good for yeah. her. That's pretty good. Anyway, I don't, I, there was the Netflix documentary that explained her original run in with controversy when she was chair of the Spokane NAACP and she got caught being a white lady when she said she was black and all that. Will there be another Netflix special on this OnlyFans development? I will have to see if that. I hope so. I will watch it. Tune she's in an amazing that. artist and a 
and a passing black woman. And <laughs> I, for one, appreciate her contribution to the racial discourse. She, uh, you know, her artwork is not that bad. It, in fact, it's, it's quite good. Very good. If she, yeah. If she would have found a way to to maximize that, um, she should have she should have followed in Hunter Biden's footsteps. But she could not find. No, the same Hunter value. Biden is a talentless ass clown. Rachel Dolezal has like real raw talent. She can She's paint for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, we we won't discuss that anymore. No, Rachel Dolezal nudes or semi nudes to be seen tonight. More important. Rats. News stories to discuss, like a New York judge finds Trump and company $355 million for their supposed business fraud in New York. The high crime, of course, of taking out loans and paying them back on time with interest. That's what we're talking <laughs> about here. So we had to put a stop to that or penalize them for doing it in the past. Putin political opponent Alexei Navalny dies in a Russian prison. And everyone who wants Trump to rot in prison similarly says this is very bad. You can't put your political opponents in prison in this way. But Trump, no, Trump I agree, but like well. no one gives a shit about uh, Coach Redfield. Like, yeah, that way. too. Yeah, we, we, we don't care. That uh, that that doesn't matter either. That Zelensky, he had his reasons. It's a good thing when uh, my political opponents are put in prison. Just not yours. It's very bad when you do it. Anyway, um, an FBI informant who made claims of Burisma executives directly paying Hunter and Joe Biden for political favors in Ukraine, speaking of, gets indicted by special counsel David Weiss on a charge of lying to the FBI. Is this legit or is this some kind of witness tampering? What are we looking at here? We'll discuss. Very funny how the special counsel investigation into Hunter Biden is um, bringing indictments against people who made allegations against Hunter Biden. But I'm sure that is all. That is all square. There's nothing odd about that whatsoever. We'll examine. Uh, you heard it in the intro, Fanny Willis or Fanny, I guess is how they say I'm it's Fanny forever to me. I'm not good. I'm not saying Fanny. Fanny Willis and her boyfriend, Nathan Wade unexpectedly take the stand in Trump's Georgia case uh, on Thursday. And they don't provide much to refute the allegation that they are involved in a corrupt scheme of hooking the taxpayer to pay for their romantic getaways. And before we get out of here, we have hoax hate. And tonight's movie review is how to train your dragon. So stick around. We'll catch up with your super chats in between topics. Ten bucks and up on the Sunday show because we are no good low down money grabbers. It will be all this and more in your favorite couple hours of listening material. Remember, you can find everything show-related and support the show for as little as a buck a month over on the website. That is mattchristensenmedia.com. Listener support is hugely appreciated, and it is what keeps the show operational. So if you enjoy the show, please consider supporting the show. Of course, we also have show merchandise for sale on the site. Plus, we have offers from friendly listener-owned businesses as well. This week's feature business is our friends at Hero Soap Company. Sometimes being a man means doing a little more than what's expected of you. Even if that means taking yourself to the end of the line. But every man needs something at the end of the day to remind him that his work's worthwhile. That's why every man should be using Timberline from Hero <laughs> Soap Company. It's a frosty pine soap where the forest meets the peaks. A woodsy scent with extra menthol for a high-altitude cooling effect. Giving your balls the best tingle this way west of Yellowstone. <laughs> so try Timberline today and treat yourself to the refreshing ball tingling you deserve. 
Timberline from Hero Soap Company. That's right. When you try Hero Soap Company, not only are you getting an, a great smelling all natural product, not only can you subscribe and get soap sent straight to your door each month, but now you can get signature soaps designed by both of us. Try Blonde Signature Soap Oat Plus Almond for gentle exfoliation. Or, of course, you can try my two offerings. As you heard there, Timberline is a frosty pine cooling effect. Or you can try Old West for a sweet leather and oak barrel scent. Hero also offers a selection of shampoos and conditioners as well. And my sources say they even have a cologne offering now. In fact, I got some in the mail to test. It is a solid cologne that is easy to apply and smells great. None of that liquid mess. So I Do you put that on your balls too? I haven't tried it. It would probably work though if you have a smelly set, I would imagine. Just launched in a teak wood (laughs) scent that smells fantastic. You can try any of Hero Soap Company's excellent offerings, soap, shampoo, and conditioner, and now cologne and more, and get 10% off all of it using promo code MCLISTENER. That's 10% off everything from Hero Soap Company using promo code MCLISTENER. Of course, you can find everything you need from Hero Soap, plus other great deals from the rest of our friendly listener-owned businesses, including Western Razor Company, Kineo Mountain Woodsmithing, Phoenix Ammunition, and more. That's at mattchristiansonmedia.com slash deals, deals by listeners for listeners. A couple items of housekeeping before we hop into the news. Uh, I mentioned this last week, but the uh, interview is now up. So if people want to check it out, I thought it was a pretty good one. But uh, this week on my Wednesday show, the Matt Christensen Hour on Tenant Media, my guest was Adam Vina, a Southern California father who lost custody of his five-year-old son amid a fight with the boy's mother who is transitioning him to a girl. I thought it was a, a great conversation in a terrible context, of course. But uh, what a bitch! He's uh, he's a good man, and so it was uh, it was good to talk to him. And I mentioned last week there are audio feeds for my Wednesday show, the Matt Christensen Hour. Now there are even more audio feeds. The show is available on Google Podcasts and Pandora now as well, in addition to Apple Podcasts and Spotify, as previously announced. Plus, there is an RSS feed available to plug into any other podcasting app you may prefer. So the video show and audio show are available on the podcast page of my website, mattchristensenmedia.com slash podcasts, where you can find everything related to this show as well. And, uh, you know, how do I not sound bitter while offering my congratulations on yet another hit piece, even though it's for work you did almost 10 years ago, even though you don't make videos anymore, you're still getting hit pieces from like 2016. This was a surprise even to me. I didn't watch it. I will say. It's an hour long. I'm not watching it. Oh, it's so boring. I mean, I watched it because I find it irresistible to, um, I I just can't stop myself from watching content where people are talking about me. Like, I don't care if it has five views. Like, you make a response video to me, I'm fucking watching it. (laughs) You heard. Um, You want Blonde's attention? You got it. You got it. Yeah. Yeah. I'm like, ooh, people are talking about me. But I did see this because Lauren Southern had retweeted it. And this was this is shocking because the Hoover Institute used to actually do stuff, you know, they are like, I don't know much about them other than they're like a libertarian think tank. All right. This is not yeah. like progressive nonsense. Uh, right. They, yeah. They're quasi sane, so yet they're going down this path like 10 yeah. years too late. It's just so bizarre. And so it's this roundtable discussion with this MIT and Yale professor. They've done elite all elite academic institutions, by the way. Right. I mean, it used to be. 
MIT used to be the most elite academic institution, maybe in the entire world. It's not Salon or uh, Vice or someone coming after you. It's Yale scholars and MIT scholars trying to understand. And institution. What what was the appeal of this woman on YouTube when she made videos like five years ago or more? And yeah, the video that they sampled was from 2017. They call me Brittany Pettibone. I love that. You know. Yeah. There's like, Brittany how much Pettibone. research did you guys really do? Well, they only <laughs> they only sampled the work of like 10 women, women. One of them is Blair White. And I'm like, all right. Yeah. And then like Brief a Show doesn't make videos anymore. I don't think like any of these chicks make videos anymore. Blonde Buttermaker retired in 2017 also. Um, it's just like all of these people that have totally moved on or had kids like done. I think Lana is the only person that they and, and Blair White that they are talking about this still making content. And you threw this show, I guess. But of course, I'm excluded. Your current content, I don't get I don't get invited to that party. It's just the most bizarre. It's the most bizarre thing. I mean, okay, I I think that the reason that this stuck out to me, the reason that I care about this outside of, um, you know, anything about me, it, it they're they're investing serious resources into researching a movement that was totally organic. I know that they um, are behind the times because they're still saying alt right like colloquially I'm like no one says that when was the last time somebody has self identified as alt-right i i don't know that i heard many people do that when the term At was the being time. used yeah. back in the 2016 or so era yeah so they're talking about like being eight years behind the times and then they're talking about how women normalize this movement it's like this was a totally organic movement Everybody was just sick of all this immigration and our country sucking and people hating on white people. And then it's these fucking poindexters that are like, how did this happen? It's like, how do you think that it happened? Like, I saw you tweeting I, about it. It's like, it's you, you guys, you're the, you, you, you created you it. Look in the mirror. You'll see how it happened. I know. Okay. It's just incredible to me. These, these academics are so incredibly out of touch that they're still investing resources into talking about an organic movement yeah. that has basically been defunct for like five years there is a very long pdf of the text of this analysis that i glanced at for a moment long enough to see some discussion about how could it be that these women are involved in a movement of patriarchy that would uh, make them submit and oppress them it's like because that's the way women have worked for all time until for about five time. seconds yeah. ago. What are you talking about? And by the way, just be, just because you believe in a female support role for male leadership, generally speaking, doesn't mean you believe in female exclusion or men and women living separate lives. That's the other, it's the opposite of the point. It's asinine. And then this this ginger Mormon poindexter from Yale or whatever, he's like, these women have made a bargain where they sacrifice security in order to attain authority within the movement. I'm like, how could you possibly come to that conclusion? That's so stupid. Mind bogglingly because the lack of security within the country and within the homeland is what spurned all of this content initially. So I'm like, that's so stupid. And women don't have authority. I mean, nobody was like listening to what I was saying because I had authority. I don't care who I'm hearing the truth from. I don't. It's like some homeless person on the corner is spewing something. And I'm like, wow, that really resonates with me. That enlightens me. Like, do I give a fuck who told me? It's true. It doesn't matter. Some might say you're skeptical of certain messengers, but okay, I'll take your point. True. Yeah, that's definitely (laughs) true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I don't know. I just had this surreal experience while I was watching this. I wouldn't suggest anybody watching it. It was was just incredibly boring like super boring well it, it's, um, it is always uh, there's a there's a bizarre entertainment in watching 
academics try to understand the basic workings of life. That's what it was. I had this surreal experience where like they were studying me like I was a monkey that can do sign language. But then I'm watching them and like neither of us really understand each other. Like both of us are like, how did you get like this? Uh, Yeah. Well, and how does so much money end up behind this? Because there's the curiosity angle and there's the resources. Again, elite academic institutions devoting time and resources to watching blonde videos and trying to figure out why she advocates a traditional female role. Yeah. Although I've kind of come off with that a little bit, Hmm. man, we really have to switch gears with the Susan wiki wiki story. I have some mixed feelings about this. Well, I mean, obviously it's, it's very sad. Okay. I I don't want to come off as laughing at former YouTube CEO, Susan wiki wiki, because the loss of a child is probably the greatest tragedy that anybody can endure. And I, I, I genuinely would not wish that on anybody. Susan wiki wiki included, even though I hate Susan wiki wiki. And I think Susan wiki wiki has done a lot of damage to YouTube and to uh, the state of free speech in this country and political discourse mm-hmm. and all that. So I, so I don't, her son has OD'd her 19 year old son. Yeah. OD'd in his dorm room um, at UC Berkeley. Now I haven't seen any, definitive confirmation that this was a fentanyl overdose, but we do know from his grandmother that it was definitely a drug overdose. And any, anybody that I hear that's overdosing from drugs since 2019, I'm just going to assume it was fentanyl. Highly likely. No one's, yeah, no one's confirmed it, but the grandma is saying uh, she believes it was drug overdose waiting on results of a toxicology report. He ingested a drug. We just don't know what was in it. She told a, a local paper. One thing we do know, it was a drug, though. And and if this is what it appears to be, which is probable fentanyl involved drug overdose. Again, it's not to like uh, laugh at Susan or dance about this or something. But if this is fentanyl that came from a foreign source, came across the border or something like that. Again, I'm speculating here, but it's I think it's a high probability that something like that is involved. I guess will there come a point when Susan will think. Maybe it might be better to allow people to talk about these things freely because number one, that's how we find the the truth. And number two, that's how we mitigate risk. I I hope that it doesn't take the death of a family member to think maybe I shouldn't have tried to play censorship politics. And maybe this thing of like, everybody's going to come to their senses is just a, it's totally masturbatory for us to think that's going to happen. It never happens like that. She Hmm. will double down. She will, Molly Tibbetts father this situation, you know, bring fentanyl to his funeral or whatever. Like she, she's not ever going to develop um, any kind of self-awareness. Uh, and, and that's assuming that the, her intentions aren't nefarious, which I think that they probably are. And, it, and if you think we're being too soft on Susan wiki wiki, I mean, I, I'll, I'll grant the point that's a little more direct to, this is a woman who was, was very censorship happy and making sure that everyone was as encouraged as possible to get a particular experimental injection. And um, one might uh, wonder what sort of damage was done on that basis, what role Susan WikiWiki played in that. So for the people who are a little more vengeful about this story than maybe we're saying, um, I'm not I'm uh, sympathetic. I'm not mad. I'm not mad at you. I'm just yeah. I, I'm trying to avoid going full ghoul and dancing on the grave of someone's shot. It's really tempting though. Like I'm getting a bit of like Anders Brevik juice in me where I'm like, well, maybe, you know, maybe it's also possible that he was um, trying to get out of this mentality of his mom and he hated his mom or something. 
but it's a yeah. lot more likely that he would grow up just to be our oppressors. Who knows? Her. And I think lessons you can learn from this, even if you think that my lessons about her view on public discourse are a little too detached. If you're a parent and you've got a kid who's of similar age, 19, college freshman, whatever, um, it, it's a good idea to have discussions about experimenting. Okay. Uh, Dude, you can't just do drugs like back in our day. Yeah. Well, like back when I was speak doing for yourself. Stuff like, yeah. But back when I was experimenting with drugs and stuff, fentanyl was not a thing. Yeah. And now I heard some story on the radio a few months ago. Some Somebody's kid took one hydrocodone for non-recreational purposes from one of his friends yeah. and, and, and immediately died. He had to have, I, he had a fentanyl. I don't, and it's I don't like, know what this kid's state for all. I, was he a heroin addict? Was he a kid who tried one thing once and paid the price? I don't know. But the point is like, yeah, if you got a kid who's, um, who's dabbling, they are very vulnerable. And so there's mm-hmm. a lesson to, to learn here before it's too late. Yeah, But this open borders, censorious bitch, like it's so hard not to go, schadenfreude on this and be like you get what you deserve but it's not his fault well it is kind of his fault but i don't know anyway how uh, to not no, be no statement from susan wiki wiki herself so far as as far as i've seen only from the family Grandma. released a statement oh did they what did they say uh that they are like devastated beyond comprehension i'm I sure think. they are i'm sure they are yeah all right if there are updates in that story we'll we of course will return to it um we uh we were a couple weeks into Black History Month here, and I thought maybe we'd actually get through it kind of easy because other than like your typical <laughs> social media changing of logos to make them Kwanzaa or something, yeah, uh, I haven't seen a lot of really annoying Black History Month content. But this week, our national symbol of health, not at all terminally ill Undersecretary of Health, transgender Admiral Dick Levine, posted a video. Not just posting a video. This is a production of Health and Human Services. Speaking of Kwanzaa, look how Kwanzaa it is behind him. They set up a whole background. He is he's talking about how dangerous climate change is, especially for Black people. And this is uh, this is a a production of the Department of Health and Human Services. They're the ones making this warning, and they're they're addressing this through several new ridiculous offices they've created. The federal government will figure this problem out. Climate change is having a disproportionate effect on the physical and mental health of black communities. Black Americans are more likely than white Americans to live in areas and housing that increase their susceptibility to climate-related health issues. And 65% of black Americans report feeling anxious about climate change's impact. Through our Office of Climate Change and Health Equity and the Office of Environmental Justice, we're working with providers and community leaders to identify innovative approaches that empower communities to address to health consequences linked to climate change. For more information, visit hhs.gov slash black dash history dash month. Now imagine living in Baltimore, South Chicago, I don't know, St. Louis, whatever. And you are seeing episodes of gang warfare outside your doorstep every day but yeah sometimes the sun is kind of hot now which is the greater threat now yeah maybe hhs has determined that the gang warfare is the result of climate change that because of reduced viable turf for these gangs the gang wars have intensified <laughs> if only we could cool the sun then there would be greener grass for gangs everywhere and they wouldn't have to fight in this way i imagine yikes is their logic something to that effect 
I don't even know what the problem he's talking about is other than polling. 65% of black Americans are convinced that climate change is scary. Okay, but that doesn't mean that's true. Yeah. Black people everywhere are terrified of the sun, are they? I, I've never really heard of such a thing. Uh, <laughs> but then the idea that the, you're, you're, you're living in one of these gang war zones. And not only are you afraid of the sun, but you're looking to Dick Levine to come save you. Please. Oh, Mr. Transgender. God, please save me from the sun. You're going to look to Dick Levine and his fake boobs for salvation. Although the, the, the boobs, I think, are real. They're left. They're real man boobs that were just left over. I don't know. Did Dick Levine ever get any surgery? I'm unclear. I think so. Yeah. Oh, so he did. He did chop it. Is that confirmed? Yeah, I think so. Wait, hmm. I can Google this. All right, work on that. Now, Joe Biden got it back to where it belongs. He saw that ridiculous display. Okay, come on. Like, we're we're putting the tranny out there to say that black people are scared of the sun. We have to get back to basics immediately. We have to return to what Black History Month is all about. I can have more trannies talking about climate change. We have to pander to black people on terms that are much more familiar. So it's got to be fried chicken and basketball. So Joe Biden... Posts a video of him visiting with a black North Carolina family to discuss exactly those important things. Fried chicken and basketball. Mom, and you got chicken fingers, you got <laughs> So tell me about you guys. What you doing these days? I'm playing AAU basketball right now. Are you really? Are you guard? Yes, sir. Right now I'm just basketball, playing guard on the JV team for my school. I'm impressed. Your dad jumped in front of a bull for you. By the way, we dads are hard to raise. Once you're a teenager, we're hard to raise. So you got to be patient with us, you know what I mean? I see. You're impressed that these black kids are playing basketball? <laughs> wow. What a revelation. Your dad would take a bullet for you, which is great because there are a lot of bullets to dodge because all the other kids don't have dads. That's uh, the unstated part. So, uh, you, you know. Vote Biden. Trump is going to ban basketball and fried chicken immediately, I think, is the is the threat. Not even your watermelons are safe, kids. Vote for Joe Biden. Okay? Dude, can you uh, imagine how much more crime there would be in the black community if there wasn't fried chicken and basketball? Uh, I, I don't know. I'm for all, I, I, we're going to need an MIT study to determine the, the effect. Why don't they put some resources in that? Yeah. Well, I, I don't know what role they play. You're, you're speculating mitigating. But for all I know, that might be the cause of the disputes. These are limited resources. Yeah. Well, only a study on how much uh, Walmart looting happens after they ban basketball and fried chicken. I don't want to be anywhere near that particular riot. No, I'm Uh, I'm out of there. All right. I was going to say before we get in too much trouble, (laughs) I have another. (laughs) We're going to go from. The the best poor taste way to celebrate Black History Month is not fried chicken and basketball with Joe Biden. It's bringing back plantations. That's what we're going to do. The migrant situation is so bad in Boston where they filled the airport and shut down community centers to house them that uh, hero white progressive women are stepping up to invite the migrants into their homes. And um, listen to this situation that the scenario created a very happy white woman who loves the free labor at her home to cook and clean for her. Oh, wait, 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 wait. Hold on. Wrong clip. Let me get this one. Here we go. Sorry. 
It's been an emotional few weeks for Wildande Joseph and her husband. First, sleeping on the floor at Logan Airport, then in Children's Hospital with their two-year-old daughter who got very sick. Now things are looking much brighter as they've been welcomed into Lisa Hillenbrand's Brookline apartment. It's a delight, and it's really fun having them. What I realized is there's so much prejudice against refugees, mostly because people don't know them. Lisa says she feels like she has her own personal chef as Wildande loves cooking. They're open to work anywhere to save money for their future. In the meantime, they're enjoying their time with Lisa, their new friend for life. They are hardworking. They want to learn. They want to be successful. And I feel great helping and I get to understand the refugee crisis from the inside. Ugh, what a self-hating white bitch. What's the They're probably uh, uh, poking those what are voodoo dolls. Is that what they're called? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, they're going to murder her or feed her mud cakes. Uh, it will be very sad when she shows up dead in a few weeks. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's going to be so funny. <laughs> uh, I will say um, good for her for actually taking action on behalf of her ideology. Now, I'm not saying it's good that we have a flood of Haitian migrants to manage. That's not what I'm saying. I am saying that most people demand others take action on behalf of their ideology and then don't step up themselves. Do, do nothing, she, yeah. she actually is. So credit where due for that. Uh, but yeah, what was the, what was the woman's name in gone with the wind? Scarlett O'Hara. Yeah. Uh, what was her, uh, character though? I can't remember. She reminds me. <laughs> she's running a very gone with the wind style plantation. Who, Mammy. No, uh, the, the main was her, her, what was her character's name? The main woman. Scarlett O'Hara. I thought that was the actress. No. Oh, okay. That was the character. I must have confused it. But anyway. Oh, wow. For, I was thought I was retarded for a second. Okay. No, I, no, I no you're retarded. Yeah. <laughs> Unless Some, I'm wrong. Someone <laughs> always is. Okay. Last week, we brought up um, where we discussed the, uh, the special counsel's report and the Biden classified documents investigation. Mm -hmm. We're laughing at the idea that Joe uh, suddenly considers his son, the death of his son, Bo, to be a private matter. Uh, and uh, he... When the special counsel accused him of forgetting his son's the date of his son's death or the time of his son's death, how dare he bring that up? How how the hell dare he? Joe said angrily, and of course that that forgetfulness was part of the special counsel's conclusion that Joe can't remember things and therefore would not likely would not be likely to be uh, convicted if charges were brought. And it, it, the whole situation was weird, like as though the special counsel was just grilling Joe Biden about Bo for no reason. Tell us when your son died. Tell us. Tell us. He said as he was waterboarding him or something like that. Why would Bo even come up in the questioning at all? Yeah. Seems weird. How the hell dare he bring that up? Why would he bring that up when the investigation wasn't really related to that? It turns out, at least according to sources, uh, Joe did exactly what he does in every context. He brought up Bo himself. This was not the yep. special counsel grilling him about when Bo died. This was Joe Biden trying to answer questions about something unrelated, whether it's uh, the death of a military service member under his watch, or in this case, uh, classified documents found in his garage. I don't know about that, but the one thing I do know about is Bo. So let me tell you about Bo. Uh, this is according to a source with knowledge speaking to NBC News this week. Sources familiar with Biden's interview with her, the special counsel, told NBC News that the special counsel asked personal questions seemingly seemingly related to Bo, which induced the president to bring up his son. Now, seemingly is the word doing work there. He's not saying, hey, what year did Bo die? He's asking things that are maybe tangentially related. But then uh, 
but then Joe Biden switches to uh, to the bow topic. This induced the president to bring his son up. NBC News says that the sources did not dispute that Biden was the one to bring up Bo's death first, not special counsel Robert Hur. So, of course, the question is not why would the special counsel bring up Bo, as was alleged. He didn't. The question is, why can't Joe Biden get through a single conversation without making it about Bo somehow? He can't. Yeah. And that's what happened, apparently. Uh, we have a, a quick episode in, in Chick Cops. Uh, what Disaster. Hap- <laughs> Why did my voice crack? I, did, I just turned 13, I guess. What happened I here? see how this happened, though. I mean, it's like Chick Cops meet unlikely circumstance where they had reason to feel threatened. It, chick Cops meet armed black woman. That's, this, is, this is what happened. Here. So she did have a gun. The she woman did inside. have a gun. Okay. True. Okay. Harris County Sheriff's Office in Texas released this body cam footage that we'll watch in a second where these women have lost their goddamn minds and uh, shoot this woman inside an apartment five times. But what happened was a neighbor called to report a burglary. They show up. The window has been broken from the outside to the inside, and they see a black woman standing in there, or I assume because her name is Ebony with an I, um, standing there with a gun, and they just unload their guns they just unloaded like every they're they're taking clips out they're reloading they just they shot her like six times <laughs> turns out she lived there um or they, she was, like, they the were just locked out the and they had to break in to get inside yes well here's what the scene looked like How she didn't die. No, Uh, she got shot five times in the leg and once in the torso. She's fine. Well, I wonder how that Good leg is going to be Good thing it was chick cops, right? Yeah. But they, they, it looked Ooh. like they dumped three mags. So assuming those yeah. are like 15 round mags, you're talking something like 45 shots they potentially unloaded. Something in that yeah. neighborhood. The real victim in this is the neighbor who feels terrible. Ooh. I mean, what are you supposed uh, to do, yeah. though? If you see someone breaking the windows at your neighbor's house, what would you yeah, do? Yeah, they're like, wow, I wish I never would have called. But I, I really thought that... Uh, yeah, how do you deal with the guilt of that situation? I guess you just have to be like, well, I didn't know. Now, not great performance, obviously, but I would say that's still better than the Chilean SWAT team zipline performance that we saw last week. I think these is it is these it deputies I mean, they have, hit her. They did hit her. These deputies have more potential, I think. I I don't know yeah. what to say here. I mean, I I kind of see it from both sides. Well, like, so if I, you're saying that they knocked, and then the woman who lives there and had a valid reason to be there she was seen inside and had a gun there's no allegation that she pointed right right and i don't see it's hard the videos you know we can't see the person inside. it was at her side according to the girlfriend okay so with without a like you're allowed to have a firearm in your house even when law enforcement knocks on it if you point she grabbed the firearm though because she thought that somebody was breaking into the house she didn't realize it was law enforcement they did say sheriff's department when they knocked but um it's without like a point without a more serious threat than that. It's hard for me to 
say it's totally reasonable to dump three mags through the you know into the person's house because you knocked and saw a firearm. How did they only hit her six times? How many bullets are in a mag? I don't know what they what they have, but let's say it was a standard Glock mag, you know, fifteen rounds, something like that. Forty five bullets. Yeah, potentially. And they're both firing. That's what it looked like. You're telling me that there were ninety bullets fired. No, and no, forty five total. Because I think the oh, one okay. who's on the body cam had two mags, and then the other woman had one. That's still really bad. That's six out of forty five, or yeah, six out of forty five. Oh. That's. That's terrible. And none of them were in her or only one of them were in her torso. Aren't you supposed to like shoot until the threat is center mass until the threat is eliminated. But it took a little while. And they were like five feet from her, too. Uh, (laughs) Uh, I don't know. It's it's still a better shooting performance than the taser lady in Minneapolis. True. True. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Do you think that they were justified? Uh, based on what I see here, no, I would not say that knocking on a door and seeing the presence of a firearm means justified shoot. If there was a point at them, then I get it. But I don't see evidence. And nobody's of a even point. claiming that as far as I know. Yeah. Anyway, uh, one quick uh, one more quick item before we get to the Trump judgment. Looks like the late Senator Diane Feinstein might soon be saying miss me yet from beyond the grave. Oh, yeah, that with, bitch is dead. I with forgot. Some cra- <laughs> With some credibility, it's it's easy oh. to forget because she was actually dead for like five years prior. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and it won't be that silly when when she says that, when her ghost says miss me yet, because the race to replace her uh, quite likely could result in in someone worse in the Senate. Congressman Adam Schiff is currently in the lead with 25 percent support. Congresswoman Katie Porter is right behind him at about 15 percent. And then Congresswoman Barbara Lee trails in third with single digit support. So Barbara Lee needs a big play to make up some ground. And part of that is apparently calling for a $50 an hour federal minimum wage. Here she is at the, uh, during the debate on Monday calling for it. You're calling for a $50 an hour federal minimum wage. That's seven times the current national minimum wage of seven twenty-five an hour. Can you explain how that would be economically sustainable for small businesses? First, let me say I um, owned and ran a small business for um, 11 years. So that means that you have to make sure that your employees are taken care of and have a living wage. In the Bay Area, I, I believe it was the United Way came out with a report that uh, very recently, $127,000 for a family of four is just barely enough to get by. Another survey very recently, 104000 for a family of one, barely enough to get by. And so just do the math. Just do the math. But I have got to be focused on what California needs and what the affordability factor is when we calculate this wage. She is not doing the math on her own staff in the Bay Area. That much you can uh, you can count on. Any time there's a minimum wage debate, because remember it was like the fight for 15 and then it's 20 bucks. And the response is, well, why stop there? Why not a million dollars per hour? Oh, don't be ridiculous. Don't be absurd. Don't be. Well, that's not absurd. You are just deciding an arbitrary line. So why not make it a million bajillion dollars? And they never really explain that. This is. 
this shows there's no limit to that logic. She's saying 50 bucks an hour with a straight face. There's no reason you couldn't say a million bajillion dollars with a straight face because it's always ridiculous for the state to set a minimum for the cost of labor. The market does that regardless. So just because you say that someone washing dishes should be paid 50 bucks doesn't mean the labor is actually worth 50 bucks. It means you'll find a machine to do that. You're never going to hire someone to for $50 an hour to wash dishes and oh, the costs are so high in California. Why? Why are costs so high in California? Part of it is demand. A lot of people want to live there. I get that. That's why housing is so expensive. Another part of it, maybe it's because they have the second highest minimum wage in the country already at $16 yep. an hour. Maybe yep. that is uh, driving costs upward in many contexts. And by the way, California has doubled their minimum wage. Nearly in the last decade, they've gone from nine dollars to sixteen dollars since 2014. It's only sixteen dollars there. Yeah, Washington is number one at sixteen and a quarter or something. Jeez, uh, has that made California more affordable? Have we seen a rise? Oh yeah, a- it's super cheap to live there. And this cool. do the do the math. Do the math. That reasoning is backward. You don't calculate wages based on what it costs to live at a, cer- a certain standard. Earnings are requisite of the value they provide. So if you want a higher standard of living for yourself, that means you have to provide the value and you have to figure out ways to provide it. Do the math should be your own calculation about how you afford the lifestyle that you want to live, not the government's calculation to force others to give it to you. And when you organize your life around taking from others, which is what this fundamentally is, instead of providing value yourself, That's how we all get poor, which California is attempting to demonstrate for us. And just to be clear, she's talking about California high high costs here. She's not talking about a California minimum wage, federal minimum wage. So even if you're the sort of person who has a pretty low cost of living in, say, I don't know, Nebraska or something. Everybody everywhere has to be earning six figures no matter what job they're doing. That's what it comes out to is like $105,000 or something like that a year. That's so stupid. Where do they think we're going to come up with this money? Magic. You just declare it. I suppose if you already know that we're printing money, that that you you would just you that you would want something like this because you just think that funds are unlimited. Do these people not have basic economic knowledge of inflation? No, no, they don't. (laughs) Look at the way California is run. Uh, I have heard people on the right say like, well, you can just print money in perpetuity. Without like, without uh, runaway inflation? How? No. But you can't. I mean, I, like, I guess that's true. You can. You, but... you can. You mean it's possible to do or possi- possible to do with prosperity is the answer. I guess the implication is that you can do that as a way to sustain the economy. But like we're already seeing the effects of inflation. So. Yeah. We could end up in a Weimar Republic situation here. Do these people not realize this? True money printing has never been tried, in other words. We yeah. have not done it right yet. But surely Zimbabwe Barbara did Lee, it right. I don't know now the history there. I'm gonna guess they Wakanda. probably did. Yeah. No, it was Rhodesia then. Yeah. Uh oh, well, what did they do? They just like inflated themselves into oblivion or what? Yeah, I think they had like a trillion dollar note. <laughs> yeah. We can't fit any more zeros. What are we gonna do? <laughs> there there comes a point where you actually can't print anymore. There's not yeah. enough ink to to print the numbers, you know? And it buys like a loaf of bread, like a trillion dollars. <laughs> by the All right. Uh, big news of the weekend or rolling into the weekend. Uh, in the Trump business fraud case in New York, brought to you by Her Highness Letitia James, the Attorney General of the State of New York. 
Judge and Arthur. We should mention that we know that her name is not Letitia. It's I know. just funnier. Don't email me and tell me it's Letitia. There's Look always the, a comment like it's Letitia. We're like, we know. Look at the spelling. It's Letitia. Can you not read? It is it's, it's totally. It's yeah. Letitia. Judge Arthur Engeron ordered Trump, his sons, business associates, and the company to pay more than $350 million in damages to the state. Trump is also banned from serving as an officer or director of any New York corporation for three years, including, of course, his namesake company. His sons are banned for two years. Recall the facts of this case are that Donald Trump is alleged to have inflated the value of his various assets to receive more favorable loan terms from banks. But those loans have already been paid back to the banks and the banks are not bringing this legal action. There is no victim. It's just the state of New York deciding that they don't like the loan terms from a long time ago or how the loan terms were agreed upon. And so the New York is alleging fraud in a transaction to which they're not a party. The parties of the transaction are not calling it fraud. They're calling it just fine. In fact, bank witnesses who testified in this case said, no, the Trump stuff worked out really well. Actually, we wanted more Trump business. We uh, the Trump business worked out great. We wanted more. The bank is not coming and say this guy conned us. This guy tricked us and we want our money back. That's not what happened, of course. If Trump appeals and he says he will, uh, those appeals, uh, if those appeals go against him, he still has to pay. But as he as those appeals are, are uh, working their way through the courts, it's expected that interest could bring the payout to four hundred and sixty million dollars. Another hundred million or so on top if this plays out for a while. Uh, while Trump is appealing, he is seeking to halt the restrictions on him and his sons from running the company. It'll have to work its way through the um New York state court system first, of course, but it's worth noting that the Supreme Court has taken excessive civil penalty cases before and overturned them or modified them. In 1996, the Supreme Court limited uh, state awards or a state award of punitive damages under the due process clause of the 14th Amendment. In that case, BMW, the car manufacturer, was found to have repainted cars damaged in transit without telling buyers the state of Alabama tried to find them $4 million in punitive damages, which the Supreme court later reduced to $2 million calling the damages so grossly excessive. They violated the 14th amendment's guarantee not to be deprived of life, liberty or property through the application of arbitrary coercion. So even if you don't like Trump, you think this is a proper application of New York law as written which the law strikes me as rather absurd to the extent that it produced this result. But, uh, you know, even though Letitia campaigned on doing exactly this, I'm running for AG to get Trump. Um, this is a massive red flag for New York businesses, of course. Totally. Yeah. doesn't matter. Um, it, it, what, what we're saying here is it doesn't matter if you have business arrangements that everybody who's a party to that agreement agrees to and has no problem with. If the state of New York doesn't like the terms, they're going to shut you down, not just shut you down, but potentially bankrupt you, ruin you financially. That's true. Although it's worth noting that this is not a ruinous sum of money for Donald Trump. What is his net worth? It's like 10 times this. It's a, it's a sizable dent though. You know, (laughs) like it's uh, true. Well, he's and his net worth has been inflated fraudulently. So how can you trust it? He needs that's another ten ten million dollars on top of it just for making the claim. Kathy Hochul, the governor of New York, is already trying to do damage control, 
She's saying, don't worry, we don't hate all businesses, only Trump businesses. As though there's not going to be another Trump after Trump. Hochul was asked by a local radio host over the weekend if other New York business people should be worried that uh, if they can do that to the former president, they can do that to anybody. Hochul responded in part, I think that this is really an extraordinary, unusual circumstance that the law abiding and rule following New Yorkers who are business people have nothing to worry about because they're very different than Donald Trump and his behavior. But it's not a difference of law and behavior. It's a difference of who's a target of the Democrat machine. Yep, totally. And that's why businesses will leave, as they already have been for years. You don't know who's going to be the next target of the Democrat machine. If you are, they will find crimes that you have committed. They will attach them to you. And that's the point. Anyone who is making any kind of serious business investment in New York, you have to be a crazy person. I'm not saying like, oh, you know, you're crazy if your mom and dad run a bakery because they have for the last you know, several decades or something. I'm saying if you're a person who is capable of making Trump level investment, which I know is a small group of people, but you want to, you want to build something major in New York. Who the hell would do that? Yeah. No way. Why would you? Uh, yeah, uh, you can't. So uh great job. I hope you guys enjoy getting Trump because it's going to cost your state dearly, but they don't seem to care. New York, like a lot of these other blue, uh, these blue States are, is, is bleeding population over the last few years. And I guess that's the, that's the small price you pay for being such virtuous progressives and such virtuous Trump haters. So hope you enjoy it. It's fine. New York is just going to continue to circle the drain. So they'll get theirs. Let's talk about, uh, the death of Putin opposition figure, Alexei Navalny. Um, before we get into, I think, the response to it, obviously, I don't know a lot about the facts. And frankly, it doesn't seem like many people do. We don't know why he died. They haven't even his body is not even uh, available to the family or anything like they that. they don't even know where the body is. OK, so it's not even yeah. located. So Russian officials have said that the cause of his death had not yet been established and that they're going to run an investigation that would be released next week. But prison officials told his mom um, when she went to the penal colony on, colony on Saturday that her son had perished from sudden death syndrome. And they said that he was sick. Um, and then she has all of this support and all of this backing. And apparently um, some people in her camp, I believe an attorney, called the morgue where they said the body was. And the morgue was like, he's not here, bro. Like, sorry, I, I don't know what to tell you. Um, and... So they have no idea where the body is and they're totally convinced he was murdered because he you know, probably was. And then the results of these, this investigation, this pending investigation, I mean, what are, what are they going to do? What are they going to say here? They're just going to lie. If you sudden, can't witness the autopsy, then how the sudden death syndrome, he, uh, they should have, what they should have done is blamed it on Pfizer. Then everyone would have been yeah, like, oh, really. I mean, I kind of get it. That makes sense. Yeah. Sudden yeah. death I mean, syndrome. They've said that they're going to release the body to the mother once the investigation is complete. But like, I seriously doubt that that's going to happen. Hmm. It's probably beaten to shit, right? I have no idea. I mean, obviously, if you are and I don't know the history of you got some information on why he was locked up too, right? Mm -hmm. uh, what yeah. are his alleged crimes? So if you remember, in, we talked about this at the time in January 2021, he returned to Moscow 
after he was in Germany, um, recuperating from a nerve, nerve agent poisoning. And yeah. he was like the Kremlin did this. Um, and then he was later convicted three times retroactively and he got 19 years for extremism. And that's, um, that's the actual charge. Extremism. Just yeah. being extreme. Right. They, okay. they retroactively criminalized all of the anti-corruption foundations activities since it was created in 2011. So like at the time, what they did was not illegal. Oh, it was they, okay. It was, yeah. A law applied yeah. after the fact. I got it. Correct. Okay. Yes. So he um, was convicted um, of extremism and some people in his network. Okay. I mean, it, so, it's possible that his body's actually in good shape, though. They did try to poison him before. Yeah. I mean, I've, um, I've, I've no reason to believe this is anything other than what it appears to be, which is he's put in prison for political reasons. He dies either through some sort of intentional murder or some kind of neglect while he's in prison. And the whole thing is a political operation on the basis of his opposition to Putin. That, yeah, I, I, mean, I don't have I any reason to Kremlin doubt that that's the case. May have appropriately viewed this as something of a coup operation. Uh, and I still am kind of attracted to Putin. So I, I, I don't know what to say about this. He was a January sixer um, and he got what he deserved. <laughs> yeah, really? But that, it's that different is, in Russia. Okay. But that, that is the, the, the disconnect here. And it's driving me crazy because I have no, if this is exactly what it appears to be. And again, I have no reason to doubt it. That's bad. I agree. You don't put political opposition in prison and let them die or kill them on the basis of their political opposition. Number one, it's morally wrong. Number two, that's not how you have a healthy country in which battle uh, ideas battle and we find the truth and all that. So that's fine and everything. But the, the Democrat reaction to this is infuriating. It pisses me no off. No one yeah. cared about Gonzalo Lira. Like nobody cared about that. Like this, this clearly almost exactly the same thing has been happening in Ukraine. No one gives a fuck. And then, and then Putler does it and everybody freaks out. It's like, well, come on, he's been, he's, he's Putin. He's been doing stuff like this for decades. It's like how many Twitter timelines can you look at where simultaneously, and I know Trump doesn't face prison in this New York case, but if he faces prison in, in the other cases where he's facing criminal charges, you're going to see Twitter timelines that simultaneously condemn Putin for imprisoning his political opposition while they celebrate every episode of Donald Trump facing prosecution from yeah. his political opponents, the president of the United States and that entire machine. How you square that? And, and there's so many people on Twitter saying, oh, it's so ridiculous. Biden hasn't killed Trump. Oh, my God. Biden didn't kill Trump. What are you talking about? What a ridiculous comparison. Yet, okay, yeah, yeah. We're, yeah we're, we'll we're like one step removed from that. And the second that he gets convicted in any of these cases and actually put in prison, you people will be cheering. You'll be glad. And if he straight up died in prison, let's say he goes to prison next year or something and he dies, whether it's a real heart attack or some, or it is something suspicious, these people will say nothing to see here. Yeah. Yep. He was just an old man who died. That's the way it works. Probably shouldn't have broken the law if he didn't want to be in prison when he died. You know, oh, well, if the, if the Donald Trump story follows this exact fact pattern and I don't I'm not predicting that it will. I think there are a lot of things that have to go crazy for that to happen. But if it did, all the people who, who are demanding everyone condemn Putin will not have that sort of condemnation for this. Mm -hmm. They will be celebrating. They will be laughing. This will be totally different because it's my political opposition who was put in prison. My political opposition who died. If you think, again, this is not me excusing Vladimir Putin or what happened in Russia. This looks like it sucks. I don't want a country that does this in any respect, whether I live in Russia or the United States. But if you're the sort of person who looks at that and think that's 
That's terrible. We oh my god, what a what an attack on democracy, what an attack on freedom. And then you see it happening, or at least the the precursor to that happening in your own country, and you think, well, that's uh, that's totally sensible. That's uh, yep. nothing to see here. That's just a guy who broke the law. That's a guy who broke the law and probably deserves what's coming to him. That's all. Yeah. Out of your freaking mind, man. It, it, Twitter is often an annoying place, but all of this stuff was driving me nuts the last couple of days. You people are crazy. Anyway. Uh, oh, and d- let's not forget what's important here. Because this brutality from Putin is bad for its own sake. But what, is, what does it demonstrate mostly? It demonstrates that we must cut that $60 billion check to Ukraine immediately. Totally. Joe yeah. Biden was making the case. What has happened in Navalny is yet more proof of Putin's brutality. This tragedy reminds us of the stakes of this moment. We have to provide the funding so Ukraine can keep defending itself against Putin's vicious onslaughts and war crimes. The uh, the aid bill remains tied up in the House after the Senate passed it late, late Monday night. Not clear how that's going to get negotiated, if at all. But if you believe that uh, $60 billion in U.S. aid to Ukraine is the difference between, say, Navalny living freely or dying in prison, I don't know what to tell you. You're being sold a bill of goods. Someone is getting rich off of you. It's uh, it's not true. Yeah. Your $60 billion while our country is rotting is not going to stop (laughs) Putler from getting the next Navalny. Okay. Oh, no. But yeah. And and I'm glad you brought up uh, Lyra too, Coach Redpill, because it's like the idea that we're stopping such things by sending the people who put him in prison to rot and die. Yeah that's just money for those prison guards, man. That's where that's going. What, yeah, what do we think? And that's a U.S. citizen too. Like not that it's, it's right. If, if, if Russia does it to their own or something like that, but it's different though. The Ukraine situation was the, the death of a U.S. citizen in their custody. Yeah. No one, no one cared. It would be like if Navalny was, um, who's that, who's that, uh, wall street journal, journalist who's still there gershkowitz or whatever his name is mm-hmm. it if a u.s citizen died in putin custody in the same way navalny has that's what happened in ukraine with coach redpill yeah. gonzalo totally. lira yep but we better we better cut them a check quickly all right top of the hour due for a break oh perfect timing because i just got text that my baby's freaking out i need all right. seven minutes all right, let me uh, catch up with some super chats and we will resume. So much easier to get out of a chair now. <sighs> Congratulations. Okay, uh, over on Rumble, we'll start there. Dudenator. Love you too, but saying it's cringe to call Democrats racist is the most cringe and preposterous position at this moment in history. Congrats, congrats on the family edition. Uh, I don't remember the context in which um, we said that, but... Uh, but of course, thank you for your support for the show. Number one, um, where's my Trump? Oh, there's there's my I couldn't find my Trump button. Uh, thanks for supporting the show and, and the kind You're words. Very special. I don't remember exactly what we said to prompt that comment. I guess what I mean in general. When, if you're talking about the the sort of position like, oh, the Democrats are the real racists, blah blah blah. My problem with that is it it generally grants a lot of the the same premises that like racism is. Um, this major driving force in this country 
that is holding people down or is blocking people from prosperity. Now, you might argue that to the extent it exists, it is more of a product of the Democrat Party than Republicans. I guess what I'm saying, the reason I don't like that argument generally is because it's an argument that works as though they're as though their premises are true when I don't think they are. Um, so it's it's hard for me to say exactly what was meant without the context, but I'm guessing that's probably uh, it was probably something close to that. Anyway, thanks for supporting the show. Um, Yakko says, Matt, your video on the Kansas City parade shooting was insightful, but I'd like to point out that black on black crime is an accepted norm for politicians and mainstream media. It is, uh, it's the not so soft bigotry of low expectations. Yeah, I saw, um, and thanks for checking out the video that was posted yesterday where I just, the, the degree of dancing around who did this shooting is, is just preposterous. It is, it is just silly. We have, um, the investigators in Kansas city being unwilling to say it. We have witnesses themselves, even some of the good Samaritans who, who tackled one of the suspects being unwilling to describe the person they tackled as black had to be pried out of them. Uh, it, it just the frustration of it's not a, it's not like I, I want people to be um, targeted on account of their race or something. We can't. But we're at the point where we can't describe people as black if they are, in fact, black after they've committed a mass shooting. Our inclination is to <laughs> coddle mass shooters on account of their race, because that's how not racist this country is, at least in that way. Racism being their definition of white people hating black people. In fact, Black identity is so protected that we're worried about calling black criminals black at all for fear of offending black people or something like that. Uh, but yeah, th- thanks for. Uh, I, I agree. Like you, you have to have you have to have uh, that that soft bigotry that you're talking about for that position to even make sense. But uh, but thanks for checking out the video and supporting the show. Appreciate it. Uh, Hillbilly Deluxe, the bullet to the back of Navalny's head induced a sudden unexpected allergic reaction to high velocity lead. This has been called sudden death. Uh, this has been classified as sudden death sy- syndrome, or maybe it was a heart attack. Yeah, I, I'm sure it probably was something like that. Uh, so that would be quite the sudden death. Uh, I agree. Your friendly neighborhood fed. Congrats, blonde, on your new daughter. My newborn son was born with a full head of blonde hair, just like his father, I guess in utero. He was blonde in the belly of the beast. P.S. My wife says, I love you. Well, of course, thanks for supporting the show. Congrats to you and your family as well, Mr. Neighborhood Fed. What the hell? Fed, fed. I don't know what the delay was on that. Fed, Duct tape production as always. Fed, fed, Hillbilly Deluxe, you need to look up the video of a, a Florida cop mag dumping into his own vehicle after an acorn fell on the SUV and scared him. Keywords, Florida cop acorn. Hilarious. I did see that. Uh, I, I didn't include it in tonight's show. But uh, but yeah, if people didn't see making an arrest, suspect is in the backseat. Cop hears an acorn fall on the roof of the car and thinks it is a gunshot at him and actually thinks he's hit. For some reason, he's saying, I'm hit, I'm hit. And he, he similarly mag dumps into the back of the car. But that guy didn't get hit, the suspect in the back of the car, at least if I understand correctly, which is uh, miraculous as well. Dick Boner. Susan is at war with decent Americans. She purposely targets your children. Scum like Jeffree Star taking aim through YouTube. One less of them by her own hand isn't worth pity. 
I mean, I, I certainly understand the scorn for Susan. I, I don't, her, I don't know what her son's deal was, what his perspective was. I mean, I don't, I don't want to implicate him in the actions of his mom though. You know, perhaps you're not totally wrong in, uh, in assuming, but, um, but yeah, I mean, uh, S- Susan has done a lot of damage intentionally um, by trying to put her thumb on the scale of debate in this country, of, of speech and the exchange of ideas in this country in favor of ideas that uh, I think are destructive and potentially an idea that was destructive in a way that maybe it cost the life of her son. And uh, if that is what happened, well, she has definitely paid a price. And we'll see what further information comes out on that. Thank you, Mr. Dick Boner. Uh, over on Odyssey, Rowdy Dude, America needs more racism. It was safer and more prosperous when it was. I mean, <laughs> there's there's an argument that like if it was if it was so racist, I mean, we, we are seeing a, a certain rise in crime rates, um, at least in recent years. I know they're still lower than they have been in previous decades, but. Yeah, if anti-racism is producing all of these results, I mean, try racism, I guess, would be the argument. <laughs> Maybe try a little bit more. I don't know. Uh, thanks for thanks for supporting the show, Mr. Rowdy Dude. We're good on DLive. Let me grab a few off YouTube and Tippy here. Long Dong John says, hey, guys, don't you hate it when an acorn falls on your car so you whip out a piece and mag dump on that shit while someone's sitting in the backseat? I know I do. Seriously, though, imagine the jail time you'd get if you did that and you weren't a cop. Yeah. If I had, um, one discharge in public, let alone the many that that guy fired off. And your explanation was, I thought someone shot at me, but it turned out it was an acorn that fell and hit the top of my car. You are definitely doing prison time. That much is for sure. Uh, I bought thanks for supporting the show. Appreciate it. Thank you as well. Long done, John. I am not going to be niggardly. Bill Biz, cash is fungible, and Fannie Willis didn't do nothing. Or nothing. <laughs> uh, we'll get to Fannie Willis in a moment. Cash is fungible. And then she had that bizarre statement about her campaign finance, which I looked into a little bit, and I think there's actually an explanation for, or at least a purported explanation, which I'll get to that in a moment. But man, was that an entertaining, uh, well, uh, just a bunch of entertaining testimony, and we'll see what happens in that case soon. Holden Mulray Hi, truth seekers. Say for a second that we do want to lower energy use. The most effective solution would be walkable, mixed-use living arrangements. The left has destroyed this in the last five years by making cities unlivable. Well, yeah, I mean, that, that, that's the problem with walking in those places is what happens when you get mugged. What happens when you get shot? What happens when you get robbed? What happens when you fall victim to the crime that has taken over these cities because we're not serious about stopping or prosecuting it? Uh, not very walkable anymore. I will take your point on that for sure. Have to refresh here. Thank you, Holden Mulray. Esoterica Unbound. Don't know if it's emotionally healthy to be hanging with my favorite black pill pusher tonight. Uh, ventured into D.C. with my kids yesterday to visit the Air and Space Museum for the first time in years. The once apolitical displays are now infested with DEI BS. Then on the Metro ride back, we sat next to a couple of college bimbos showing off their sand nazi scarves okay so these were hijabed i take it or something like that the u.s is becoming an intellectual super fun site i haven't spent a ton of time in dc a little bit 
But one thing I have noticed about DC in the time I've been there, and I, I haven't been there in, gosh, pr- probably like 10 years now or something, maybe longer. Um, it's very weird to see the Capitol and the monuments and our just what's supposed to be the head of our national government. And the touristy areas are mostly fine, at least in my experience. But when you get away from those, even just a little bit, it gets very, it's, it's very run down. It's very crime ridden. It's very bad um, in, in what's supposed to be, you know, our, our capital city, uh, I guess our source of national pride or whatever like that. Clearly not. Um, DC, is is definitely not the place for me based on my experience. Daniel Yeager, uh, Susan wiki wiki's son is dead per AP. Yeah, man. Um, that is, uh, the report confirmed by grandma wiki wiki. So if you missed the start of the show, uh, we talked about that a little bit. Uh, one, I think it was the first story we talked about tonight. If you want to rewind back to that one and thanks for supporting the show, Aggie jet pilot. Thank you. Wicked RCL. Did you guys see Trump's gold-plated high tops? I did. They sold out in minutes, and the crowd was chanting FJB, awesome flex in the culture war. Uh, Oh, yeah, and don't forget the... (laughs) I think I can say this, because isn't that... uh, I forget what the definition is. Um, Yes, the the little piece of paper. He said, don't forget about the the niggly wigglies. And that's a little piece of paper on Hershey's Kisses. He said the N-word. Thank you for that. I, I did forget about them. So thank you for the reminder. And I did see the shoes, although I did not buy them. Uh, I saw on the Sunday shows this morning, Trump was being ridiculed for his gold sneakers. The the former president is selling shoes. How is this serious? Well, I mean, you guys are trying to find him $355 million. He's going to have to sell some shoes to uh, settle the debt, apparently. Jonathan Prezios. I just want to say it would be easier to prove a RICO charge on fans or on Fanny, maybe, with the big fan standards of law than proven about Trump. Rico charges incoming to find where's big where Big Fanny's cash is from. Well, I, yeah, I mean, to me, the, the whole Rico theory of, like, everybody's involved in this big criminal operation, so if you can tie... Every, everybody remembers her... Um, the indictment, in this case, against Trump and against all the co-defendants, and it had all these ridiculous things like Donald Trump furthered the conspiracy by tweeting out that people should watch Newsmax. And this guy furthered the conspiracy by doing something similar. That's not a crime itself, but because they're linking people through these actions to the actions of others, that's how they get them on these Rico charges by like doing the spider web, you know, six degrees of Kevin Bacon nonsense. And that's why I'm not a fan of the Rico theory of law that you can just, if, if there's some sort of association by which you can tie someone else to a criminal act that someone else did, then you can get them on some felony charge. I just don't think that that's um, a fair or reasonable or objective standard of law. But uh, but if we're going to do that, if we're going to say that people through their association and actions that are tied to a person who committed a crime, I, I don't see how Fannie Willis and Nathan Wade are not themselves involved in a criminal racket. They organized to lie to the court about the timing of the origin of their relationship. And she hired her boyfriend in a fraudulent scheme to funnel public money to him to get kickbacks for herself. That's right. Yeah. We're talking about uh, Fanny being um, part of a, a, a racket or a crime, an organized crime conspiracy. 
clearly. I mean, if you're going to bring the charges, it makes perfect sense. I'm not a fan of that whole legal theory, but if we're going to do it, Fannie Willis is part of a criminal racket, it would seem. If she it, gets, is, it is also kind of just nepotism, though. I, not really. Like, I guess I guess it depends on your definition of nepotism. Um, I guess her boyfriend, you can be nepotistic with your boyfriend, yeah? Yeah. Um, but it's not just that. It's the fact that, that there's money, effectively money laundering going on. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Anyway, thank you, Jonathan Prezios. Uh, Knuckle Hunky Bach, last one for now. I don't normally simp, but blonde for a gal that has just crapped out a kid a couple weeks ago. You're already back to being an absolute smoke show. Hubba Woo! hubba. Thank wow. you so much. I weigh 160 pounds, and every day I wake up and look at my body. Oh, and cry. good for you. I just cry. I still can't put my wedding ring on because my fingers are too fucking fat. They don't. Your wedding ring doesn't fit. Do you normally wear like your um, your your my... your actual piece of jewelry, or do you wear like a placeholder? Oh, I wear the actual piece of jewelry. Really? Oh yeah. I uh... like people look at this. This is how much I'm worth. <laughs> Thank you. Right Dr. now, Hunky nothing because I weigh yeah. 160 pounds. So. Well, replacing the ring with children is a fair deal, I would say. Uh, I'll get it back on soon. Actually, Boogeyman, really quick. Boogeyman doubts it. So thank you, Boogeyman. Appreciate it. I doubt it. All right. We will come back to your chats at the end of the stream. Let me mark where I left off. So I don't um, I'll have to just circle back with you. Okay. Back into the news. Uh, I want to talk about the uh, the indictment of that Hunter Biden FBI informant. Because the investigation into Hunter Biden's business dealings and other crime and degeneracy has shockingly turned into a at least momentary benefit for Hunter Biden. Funny how that works. Recall previously, U.S. Attorney David Weiss had brought some slap on the wrist charges against Hunter and Hunter was set for a sweetheart plea deal. But then the judge blew it up and some whistleblowers came forward and said that the special counsel didn't actually have final authority on when and how to bring charges in that case. Like he was saying he did that actually it was Merrick Garland and company and U S attorneys in other jurisdictions who wouldn't allow him to bring charges in their jurisdictions, all of that. Well, after that, David Weiss, who apparently did a terrible job in his prior investigation was appointed to special counsel to have even further, even uh, to have expanded uh, authority in the matter. Now he has full authority to reinvestigate uh, and bring charges across any jurisdiction he wishes. And we're supposed to assume that somehow that's going to come to a fair and just conclusion before the November election. Assuredly, it's not a stall uh, tactic at all. And David Weiss has concluded that the crook for now is the uh, is an informant against Hunter Biden. Recall previously there was this FBI informant who had filed a report in 2020. And this FBI informant was alleging that Hunter Biden, or no, that the informant rather, that he, the informant, had met with Burisma executives, the Ukrainian energy company, Burisma executives, and told them that they had uh, they had paid Joe and Hunter Biden $5 million each for political favors including the political pressure to get Ukrainian prosecutor Viktor Shokin fired. Viktor Shokin was investigating Burisma. The Burisma executives wanted Viktor Shokin removed from his job as prosecutor. The allegation from this uh, informant was that Burisma executives directly paid Hunter and Joe to 
exercise their political influence to get Shokin fired. Shokin was later fired, though there are all sorts of explanations for why, supposedly. House Republicans have cited this report as part of their impeachment investigation into Joe Biden. So it's politically it's being treated as a major blow to that, which it is. Uh, I mean, it, it's it's damaging to a piece of the evidence for sure. I'm, as we'll get to, I'm not sure that this uh, undoes the case or anything like that, but uh, it's certainly damaging. Uh, this uh, this informant. Alexander Smirnov. Uh, David David Weiss is saying his claims there were a lie. So he's charged with creating a false and fictitious record for the FBI. He was arrested Wednesday at the airport in Las Vegas after a federal grand jury in California returned the indictment. So how does the special counsel know this was a lie? Well, David Weiss says Smirnoff only had contact with Burisma executives in 2017 at the end of the Obama administration and after Shokin had already been fired in February 2016. In other words, the 37-page indictment reads, Smirnov's involvement with Burisma came when then-Vice President Joe Biden had no ability to influence U.S. policy and when the prosecutor general was no longer in office. But I don't, I, mean, I need to read about why, I'm not clear why that makes it a lie. Because just, yeah. he, just because he was told that this move was made after the fact that it happened, why does that make it a lie? He was not, his allegations were not, I was a party to the decision-making. His allegations were, I was informed by Burisma executives that this happened. So I'm not exactly clear why they are saying that's conclusively a lie. Maybe I'm misunderstanding it, but they're just saying, well, he, it didn't happen until Biden was, he was not informed of it until after Biden was in office. Right. But that doesn't mean it didn't necessarily happen when Biden was in office. It just means yeah. he learned about it later. Right. So I assume, don't take my word for it here. Cause I assume I'm missing something like that seems too easy. I, I, why are they saying that's conclusively a lie based on that basis? It doesn't make a lot of sense to me, but that's what they're saying. Why would Smirnov do this? Why would he just lie to the FBI? Well, Weiss is saying political bias. He points to texts in which Smirnov boasted about having information that would put Biden in jail. Again, I'm not sure how that makes it a lie, though, because things can be true. Joe Biden could have committed an act that is worthy of jail. And this guy could have texted someone. I have information that will put him in jail. What? Why does that make it a lie? I feel like I'm missing something, missing something yeah. here. So maybe I am, or maybe this is bogus. House Republicans say, even if this is true, that Smirnoff is a liar. There, uh, the indictment is not particularly damaging to their impeachment investigation because they're relying on a larger body of evidence, not just Smirnov's story. So the question is, what are we looking at? Is Smirnov an actual sleazy liar who misled the FBI and deserves to be charged? Or is the Justice Department again going into protection mode for Hunter? If Smirnov is an actual liar, and provably so, you have to ask the question, how was he a reliable FBI informant for a decade prior? And does he yeah. hate Joe Biden so much that he would throw <laughs> away all that credibility to get Joe, I guess? He hates him that much? Um, maybe. I don't know. But he's not just a guy who came off the street and told something to the FBI. He worked as an FBI informant for years and years prior and was trusted in that capacity. On what basis? And why would yeah. he... Why would he just undo all that? Because he hates Joe Biden. I don't know. Um, the the alternative way of looking at this is is the FBI and the Justice Department found a way to knock out a political opponent themselves for all the allegations of political bias from Smirnov. They found a way to knock out a political opponent 
of the Bidens themselves based on technicalities, something we might call witness tampering, if we believe that he had valuable information to provide. And it doesn't really undo the case. Even if you think that Smirnov is a total liar and he made it all up, well, the suspicion of what happened in Ukraine with the Bidens and Burisma doesn't really rely on this story that there was $5 million sent to both of the Bidens, although that would be a particularly damning fact if it's true, certainly. But it's not the sole basis of the of the suspicion. Joe Biden said openly, son of a bitch, that prosecutor Victor Shokin got fired because Joe Biden threatened to withhold USAID to Ukraine unless he was. That is admitted in public. The supposed reason why was that Victor Shokin was corrupt. And so this was just the exercise of U.S. policy at the time. Victor Shokin was corrupt. We're not going to send money to this corrupt country. Oh, we'd never do that. So Victor Shokin has to go where Ukraine's not getting their money. Victor Shokin went. And and that's great. Okay, fine. I'll... Uh, I'll listen to you say that's the reason if you can give me one example of Victor Shokin's alleged corruption. If it's so obvious that he was corrupt, tell me how. Show me yeah. what he did or is suspected to have done. They never do. They just call him corrupt. And you can listen to Victor Shokin himself, who's done at least one interview. We played it on the show when when it was released. He's done at least one interview on the matter. He said, yeah, I was, I was ousted because I was looking into Burisma. And Burisma didn't like that. And so they got Joe Biden to come after me. And you don't have to automatically believe Victor Shokin, of course. You can think that he's a corrupt bad guy. But if he's so conclusively a corrupt bad guy, point to me the corrupt bad guy stuff that he did. And mm-hmm. I've I've never had anyone do that. If he's out there, I'm happy to take a look at it. As far as the, it was just U.S. policy at the time argument. Oh, Joe Biden was just carrying out U.S. policy. That's all. Right. Who set U.S. policy in Ukraine at the time? It was Joe Biden, you know, maybe working closely with Obama, but Obama had largely delegate, delegated that task to Joe Biden. Joe Biden hey, Joe was overseeing Biden, yeah. foreign policy in the matter. Oh, but the Europeans agreed that uh, that Victor Shokin had to go based on based on whose policy decision and whose recommendation. Was it Joe Biden's who maybe had a direct interest in that particular outcome because there was a shady association with Burisma who his son was on the board with and was paid tens of thousands of dollars a month for reasons completely unknown because he had no relevant experience to it. Sounds like, you know, the answer to this buddy. Well, it's, uh, <laughs> this is being treated as though it's a kill shot to the investigation or the suspicion of the impeachment. Like, okay. If you don't have questions about what happened with the Bidens in Ukraine, even as they still say the number one, most important thing in the world is we send billions of dollars to Ukraine. I don't know. <laughs> I guess you're easily fooled at this point. That's still national priority. Number one, more and more money to Ukraine. No matter what, the answer is more money to Ukraine. Why? Oh, at this late date, are we still doing this? Well, people are still falling for it. It's to the degree that they think that if we just send more money to Ukraine, you know, Putin's political opponents will remain alive and freedom will thrive across the globe. Something like I suppose that. there was some of this with the Bush administration. I myself am guilty of that. Uh, how so? Uh, just thinking that we had business in foreign affairs. Uh, post 9-11, yeah. I, th- I think uh, a lot of people bought that. And you could understand why they would, even though the push to go into Iraq was uh, not particularly uh But there was at least a more reliable. compelling impetus 
that linked us to the foreign involvement in some way. This it's like Ukraine. I don't give a rat's ass about this. Well, the, 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 the line they're going with is if you don't stop Putin at the line in Ukraine, he's going straight to NATO members next. And then it's our war because it has to be our war by virtue of our agreement to defend NATO members. So if we don't well, hand over the chicks money now, falling for this, don't they find him charming uh, and masculine? I think, <laughs> no, I think if you were to pull women in this country, do you like Putin? I think you are a massive outlier in, in that poll. He has a raw masculinity that you cannot tell me women don't innately find attractive. Maybe it's deep down in there, but they're not going to say that. That's for sure. Um, that Zelensky totally laughs. I don't know. Uh, I, I don't know which man women find more attractive. But did you see um, or Zelensky? Did I say Zelensky? I'm so retarded after I had my baby. It's it's just embarrassing. Did you see that interview with Aaron Burnett and Zelensky? Uh, no. Was it recent? I don't know. I saw Viva Fry covering it earlier today. But like, she was so. Um, she was asking him about like his his love of music. And if he likes ACDC and, and her hand gestures were like pretty sexual and flirtatious and stuff. And then she has the audacity to come out and say that this Tucker interview was a softball interview. Hmm. Yeah. I didn't, I didn't see the it. way the left is treating this. I didn't see it, but uh, do, uh, am I supposed to believe that women are genuinely attracted to Vladimir Zelensky or they just claim to be for public virtue points? There's no way they actually are. He exudes a feminine homosexual energy that I'm sure Putin hates, like just on a man level. Like that's really what this is about. Okay? You know, the interview with Tucker could have been a lot better if instead of giving a thousand year history of Russia to explain why he had to go into Ukraine, if he would have just said, cause Zelensky's a homo. Yeah. He, really. he would have converted George me. I would have said, yeah. it all makes sense. You know, <laughs> I've had some Putin criticisms, okay. <laughs> but now I understand. Yeah. Totally. All right. Uh, you ready to talk Fanny Willis? I guess, God, I guess so. In a major twist in the Trump racketeering case in Georgia this week, Fulton County District Attorney Fanny Willis withdrew her opposition to a subpoena to testify in response to accusations that she hired her unqualified boyfriend. And when I say unqualified, I mean, has never prosecuted a single felony case in the state of Georgia <laughs> yeah, you or mean anywhere. It. <laughs> as far as I'm aware, he's never done it before. And she's bringing him in to take on not just a case, a, a massive sprawling case in terms of the number of defendants and the facts at issue, but in terms of high profile, probably the, in the top five high profile prosecutions in the country, because they're all related to Trump that this guy came from nowhere and he's assigned to it. And, um, oh man, they, they happened to, they happened to share a bed, but they only fell in love after she hired him for inexplicable reasons. What a love story. Again, some, something like 600, 600,000 plus dollars in public money to this guy. Some of which is alleged to have come back to Fanny Willis in the form of vacations and other luxuries. But she has an explanation for that, which we'll get to. She was fighting the subpoena. She was fighting being compelled to testify until this evidentiary hearing in the case on Thursday got underway. And then she and Nathan Wade, for reasons I still don't even understand, they just flipped and decided we're going to take the stand now. We have to defend our honor. And it produced the sort of Jerry Springer-like effects that you would expect. Fanny was an angry, emotional mess, lacking a clear explanation for what's going on. Um, I'm not going to play all the clips. You heard some of it in the intro there. 
I just really want to get at the core of the case because the core of the case is two questions. Number one, were Fannie Willis and Nathan Wade in a romantic relationship prior to his appointment to the case in November of 2021? Because number one, if so, that would be a a corrupt hiring. But number two, they have both given sworn statements to this court and Nathan Wade giving a statement to the court in his divorce proceeding, which he happened to file for the day after Fannie Willis hired him. What a bizarre coincidence. Sworn statements in both contexts saying they were not romantic. Well, he's got multiple lies. So the way he described it in his divorce case is different, actually. But in this case, they both have sworn statements saying they weren't romantically involved until after the appointment. 2022. He was appointed in 2021. So if that's a lie, it's not just that it's corrupt in the hiring. It's that it, it's a, it's a an, an episode of perjury. They've lied to the court under oath in a sworn statement. That's question number one. Number two, did Fannie Willis get personal financial benefit from hiring her boyfriend, Nathan Wade? On the first question, Trump co-defendant lawyers produce witnesses who are personal friends of Willis and Wade who say their relationship started before Fannie Willis was even DA, actually, back in 2019. Okay. On the second question, Trump co-defendant lawyers have produced some financial records uh, from Wade's divorce hearing to show that Nathan Wade paid for several instances of travel and hotel for Willis. Willis and, and Wade say that Willis reimbursed him for those costs, but they can't produce any evidence that she did, claiming that she only did it in cash And that she always just carries around these massive amounts of cash because it's a black thing to do. That's what her dad said on the stand on Friday. Her dad also testified, which we'll get to him in a little bit. So based on the evidence, some of which was known before, some of which we learned in in these, uh, these hearings over Thursday and Friday, it would strongly appear that Fannie Willis and Nathan Wade were romantically involved before Willis was even DA at all. Mm-hmm. She then got elected and used her position to hire her boyfriend, pay him the better part of a million dollars in public money to pay in part for vacations that they took together. And that's this is this kind of it's following a very Hunter Biden like fact pattern where in the same case, in the way that people who want to apologize for Hunter Biden act like you're weird if you think that his like his footy videos from his laptop are the core of the case. I they'll say the same thing in this. case. Oh, who cares though? They went on a date together. Who cares? What's that about? It's not about the, the footy video on Hunter Biden's laptop. Okay. It's not about the fact that these two went on a date together. It's that they had an established relationship. She hired him funneled a bunch of hundreds of thousands of dollars in public money to him. Some of which came back to her. It's a, it's a financially corrupt arrangement that is fleecing the taxpayer. That's the controversy. And people like act like it's just some Jerry Springer gossip. That's what Fannie Willis's lawyers were saying before this hearing even happened on Monday. They're saying, well, the defense as in the Trump co-defendants, they, they only, ha- they're not bringing facts or law, just gossip. Mm-hmm. Really? Cause I see a lot of facts, a lot of yeah. facts of <laughs> this guy, not having any qualifications, people saying that you were in a relationship before this ever started financial records that show that he paid for her stuff with no corresponding financial records to show that she paid him back, but it's a black thing. They only pay in cash. If it's a black thing, why is Nathan Wade paying on his business card? <laughs> why is he paying cash for the, the, the Caribbean cruises that they're taking or whatever the hell? Yeah. Yeah. I've never heard of this either. Uh, it's news to me. Not that I'm uh I guess I, I have not, I, I'm not, um, 
party to a lot of discussion of uh, black financial strategies, I suppose. But all of that creates a pretty decent shot that she and Wade get disqualified from prosecuting this case. That decision is yet to be made. More on that in a moment. Uh, I, 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 there are a lot of great moments from, from these hearings. I'm not going to play them all. There are a few lesser played moments that I thought were funny. Uh, number one, there was some question as to who paid for lunch, certain lunch outings. And Fanny Willis insists uh, she does not commonly eat lunch, actually. It's black. It wouldn't just be Mr. Wade. So I'm sure my security team has taken me to lunch. But we're talking very few, very far in between. Most days I don't even eat lunch. And when I do, it's because my assistant has heated up some bag, something that I, I eat through meetings and eat in my office. Mari Povich looked at her ass and determined that was a lie. False. <laughs> uh, Nathan Wade, again, this is her boyfriend guy was asked about booking a cabin for a trip that the two took together. And he was asked if he's ever booked or if he's ever been to a cabin with Fanny Willis. And he took the better part of 30 seconds just thinking through his many memories of not being in cabins with Fanny Willis to come up with what the answer. What do you define as a cabin? Right. He came up with the answer, no. And someone, of course, edited the moment very well. For copyright reasons, I had to edit out most of Marvin Gaye's Let's Get It On, but you get the idea. Where did that cash originally come from? If it oh, wait, came wait, out this, of the bank. Wait, wait, wait. This is the wrong cash one. Is hold of... on, hold on. Shut up, Fanny. This one. Did you go to a cabin with Miss Willis ever? Ever. Ever. Oh, I can't take it. No. You've never gone to a cabin with this. No. Dude, the, that was like twelve. Was it twelve seconds? It. I, I thought it was longer than that, but maybe I don't know. It feels like an oh. eternity. It's not an edit on how long it takes him to answer a, a clean no. That's one hundred percent true to the testimony. Uh, and then there was this campaign cash moment. Something of an odd moment where Fannie Willis appeared to admit that she was taking campaign money for personal use. Apparently, that isn't what she's describing. But she was asked. Okay, so the defense is. Uh, the, the accusation is Nathan Wade paid for a bunch of your vacations and other luxuries. You're saying that you reimbursed him with your money, but you only did it in cash. What is the source of all of your cash? Where's that coming yeah. from? And her answer was something. It's something to the effect of, well, I've, I store cash at my house and have for years. I couldn't tell you if I got it as change from the grocery store or if I made a bank withdrawal. I don't know. I just have a big pay, a piggy bank full of cash. And uh, and and part of her answer was it, it could have been taken out of my campaign, which is very curious. Where did that cash originally come from? If it didn't came cash. out of the bank. Cash is uh, fungible. We've had cash for years in my house. So for me to tell you the source of when it comes from, when you go to Publix and you buy something, you get $50, you throw it in there. When it's been my whole life. When I took out a large amount of money on my first campaign, I kept some of the cash of that. Like, to tell you I just have cash in my house, I don't have as much today as I would normally have. 
Who taught her the word fungible? <laughs> uh, yeah, that's a big vocabulary word, I guess. Now, that sounds so egregious that one would would wonder why there isn't some kind of campaign finance investigation into what she just said, raising mm-hmm. money on the premise of a campaign for office, but then cashing it out for personal use. That's against the law in in federal campaign context. I'd imagine it's against the law in Georgia, but I don't know the specific statute. Uh, that is apparently not what happened, though, at least according to this reporter's explanation, which does have some documentation. Fannie Willis apparently loaned her campaign $50,000 of her own money when she was running to be a judge. And when she took that $50,000 out of her own personal bank account, she kept some of that in cash. She's not talking about taking money from her campaign for personal use. I think she just phrased it um, pretty weirdly. And again, there's documentation to show that that she made that. She took fifty grand out of her out of her personal bank account, loaned forty nine thousand of it to her campaign, and apparently kept something like a thousand dollars in cash. That's the explanation, and it has documentation to show it. So, based on what I see here, that does that does seem to check out. But I would say if you're sort of a, a campaign finance law enforcement official in Georgia, maybe follow the Kathy Hochul advice and uh, <laughs> give it yeah. a, just check it out. Give Definitely it definitely worth checking into. Now, as far as what's next in the uh, in the case here, the judge did not make a decision on whether Fannie Willis and Nathan Wade will be disqualified. He has said that he will make that decision after both sides have presented arguments to him either at the end of this week or early next uh, early the following week. And I'm not an expert on what Georgia law says on the matter, as in what the appropriate circumstances for disqualification are when it is mandatory or whether it's purely at the discretion of the judge and all those questions. I'm, I, I don't have the knowledge to tell you that, but I, I do know that on, on Monday, the judge said that disqualification is possible if there's a proven conflict of interest or even the appearance of one. Oh, really? And if the appearance of a conflict of interest is the standard, it would seem to me that she's got to be. They have met that standard. That's for sure. Of course, if that happens, which is no guarantee she may continue to to she might not get disqualified she and nathan wade may continue cashing in and prosecuting trump but if she is disqualified of course it wouldn't kill the case either it would just mean it's assigned to a new prosecutor that will take time though and if that happens it's highly unlikely that this case goes to trial before the election right so then the question would be like if this gets assigned to a new prosecutor let's say this gets assigned to a new prosecutor in a preposterous unimaginable scenario where trump is actually elected president which is hard for me to say with a straight face because you know there are shenanigans already in place to prevent such a thing. But if he became president and you have this interesting situation where the state of Georgia wants to prosecute the president, uh, all sorts of complications there. Not clear that's legal. The Justice Department, the Federal Justice Department, their uh, standing opinion is that the sitting president can't be prosecuted, that he needs to be impeached and removed from office. But that that's what governs the the Justice Department handling federal prosecutions. How this would be ironed out with the state of Georgia, I don't know. I don't know how that would play out. I can't imagine that they're just going to successfully put a sitting president on trial somehow. And like, what are you going to do? Put him in jail or oh, <laughs> it's, it's not going to work uh, if president if. Trump is in fact elected, but it'd be interesting to see them try and maybe they would. It is reassuring that this is the quality of person behind this. Uh, Fannie Willis behind this particular charging decision. Yes. Yeah. Uh, Well, this is hilarious. You know how um, 
divided this country is when we look at displays like this. And to me, it's not even a matter of law. This is like an irate, enraged lunatic who has no explanation yelling at, at the other lawyer like, do you even know who's on trial here? It's not me. It's those people who tried to steal democracy. But has no explanation. Like, can't explain herself in a calm, rational manner. Yeah, like this, this person's a lunatic. And I look at co- coverage in the New York Times or from people who are, are Biden sympathetic or Trump critical. And you get articles like Fannie Willis's struggle is familiar to too many black women in this country as though like she was treated with racial insensitivity or something. It's like, how can you look at that and see anything but an emotional wreck who brought this case for emotional, vengeful, vindictive reasons? Also, she has real political power. Nothing yeah. about her situation screams that she's be- ever been oppressed in her life. <laughs> uh, yeah. The idea that in her role as DA, she's victimized by a racist society. Okay. She benefits from it. In fact, if she gets away with this, it'll probably be because we don't want to go after black women in power and we'll give them reasonable doubt for egregious behavior that is almost assuredly corrupt just on the basis that we don't want to treat them unfairly because she's in, she's in a, p- a position of power that too few of her demographic are. So she's creating a playbook when all these diversity hire pilots start crashing planes. So. Well, th- that's great to know right before I hit that mountainside, I'm going to get a lecture about how the only reason I'm concerned is that uh, I'm racist. You well, know? you are racist. Yeah. Well, Fannie Willis is doing a good job of inspiring me to be so. We got some, uh, we're not even done with Fannie Willis. We have Fannie Willis related hoax hate. Let's get into that. And now the nobody saw it happen, but it's totally a product of Trump's America hoax hate crime of the week. Ah, shit, it's backwards. As part of his testimony, Fannie Willis's father, John Clifford Floyd, said that when Fannie was elected Fulton County DA in 2020, hateful racists yelled slurs outside her house, and they even spray painted the house with the B word and the N word. After she was sworn in, she was sworn in on January 1 of uh, 2021, and on or about the 3rd of February, um, at probably 5, 5.30 a.m. in the morning, um, there were people outside her house uh, cursing and yelling and calling her the B word and the N word. And just, I mean, it was it, bizarre. OK, I mean, it just. I know it's a very minor point and I don't want to be one of those annoying grammar people. But if you're the sort of person that says 5.30 a.m. in the morning redundant just stop it you're then you're also the kind of person that says atm machine and i I hate you i hope you get navalnyed i hope you go to prison and (laughs) i i won't cry i won't shed a tear when you die for what you've done he wasn't orchestrating a a cue a coup he just said atm machine that's all 5 30 a.m in the morning if i'm dictator you know if i'm uh if i'm cusco in the uh the emperor's new groove like yeah you're i'm throwing you out of the uh of the castle I support that. Anyway, to the actual substance here, he said this as part of uh, as part of the testimony. He said, "Okay, not not just that they were outside the house chanting 
with, uh, I don't know, pitchforks and torches. You're an N word. You're a B word. Uh, they were going to kill. He said, he said there were death threats. They were going to kill her as in Fanny. They were going to kill me, her father, and they were going to kill my grandchildren. He yeah, says. No. And again, they spray painted, not just said the B word and the N word spray painted it on the side of the house. Well, Fanny Willis, of course, is the top law enforcement official in Fulton County because he he said she was sworn in on January 1st in February. This happens. She when this happens, she's the top law enforcement official. So I assume Fanny Willis exercised her law enforcement authority to bring these people to justice. But I can find no such record. No, they were never no. prosecuted. In fact, uh, there's not even a single image of this spray paint. That ever yeah. occurred, at least not that we were able to find. Nope. And he didn't even tell her about it. Yeah. What was the deal with that? Later. So he lived, they lived at the house together, but she had to move out. Yeah. And then uh, I saw one article where he was like, and then I chose not to tell her about it because I don't want, I don't want her to freak out. So I'm like, oh, so this thing that happened that involved her, no one ever knew about it and you didn't tell anybody and you didn't report it. And there's no documentation of it. I totally trust you that this played out exactly as you said. Well, it seems like uh, n- not just from a personal safety matter, like I would like to know that people are at my house threatening me, but uh, considering that I uh, have the ability to prosecute people who commit crimes, it seems like something the uh, district attorney ought to know about from a professional perspective, too. But apparently not. You know, it's a black thing. You just put all your cash in a piggy yeah, bank. Really. And when people come to your house with pitchforks and torches and say they're going to kill you and your grandkids and they spray paint on the side of your house, you just say that's do fine. nothing, even though you're overzealous historically. Okay. Who fixed it? Did did her dad go to the? He went to the hardware store and he bought cans of paint to paint over it. But immediately he paid cash. repainted over it. Yeah. Yeah. He paid cash and uh, no, there's no record of it. So, all right, uh, a couple more items of not these these aren't hoaxes, but um, <laughs> this one is just an example of I would say an over uh, 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 an overzealous charge or a charge that doesn't necessarily fit the crime. Aggressive prosecution, you might say. In Delray Beach, Florida, a 19-year-old man is facing felony criminal mischief and reckless driving charges after he burned out on a rainbow crosswalk in his truck. Oh, yeah. yeah. Here is um, here is su- some surveillance footage of this uh, felony reckless behavior. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. What a terrorist. Dylan Brewer turned uh, turned himself in on Monday and was, he was kept. Why, buddy? Come on. He should have gone on the run. Fugitive. Across the country. He was kept overnight until the next day when he posted a $5,250 bond. Law enforcement worked the case for more than a week, according to the police department. So thank God we're getting these hardened rubber burners off the streets. It's not the first time this particular rainbow intersection has been vandalized in 2021. A 20 year old pleaded guilty to the same charges for doing the Mm. same thing. A burnout, a judge sentenced that man to probation and community service. And I wonder if as part of the community service, he had to paint another intersection with rainbow stripes. Maybe that's what (laughs) they'll do to this kid. This man, he's being, he's not a kid. He's a 19 year old man who needs to be treated as such in the eyes of the law. Now, this next case, I can't wait to see your reaction to. It's not a hoax. I wish it was, though. I wish this whole family was a hoax. 
<laughs> because I guarantee these kids are getting touched. Okay. I don't like to make accusations of child abuse lightly. But these people are pedophiles. If I had, okay, I mean, come on, watch this news story and tell me you would not make the same bet that there are children being abused in this house for sure. In Columbus, Ohio, police are investigating a hate crime incident in which two men approached a house with a pride flag and one of them then peed on the flag, which was caught on surveillance video. The family who lives at this home is outraged and they want justice. But check out this air quotes family. And again, pay attention to the mention of children involved. Tonight, I spoke with the family who lives at that home. Where? What the? What is going on here? Try again. It's just yeah, stopped. Can't for they me. get hotter newscasters? Did it stop for you? It stopped. For yeah. Me. Okay, let me it's try again. Tonight, I spoke with the family who lives at that home where this happened. They shared with me the video their camera caught of this incident, as well as how it's affected them since. I'd say. It was shocking, but not surprising. This video shows two men approaching the front door of a home last Thursday night. The one in blue pulls down his pants and starts peeing on the LGBTQ pride flag displayed on the porch. The other man appears to be taking a video of his friend with his phone. The man in blue can then be heard yelling homophobic slurs as his friend laughs. He then bangs on the doors before taking off running. I decided to post something online and uh, the police found us. Columbus police officers arrived at their home within a couple hours of posting the video Sunday. An LGBTQ liaison joined them, who specifically handles hate crimes. Zoe, a mother of two, says she shared the video to set an example for her kids who are both trans. I've got a 12-year-old and a 14-year-old, and we've had uh, the gamut of uh, school experiences. Honestly, I've been a little more anxious. I've been checking the camera feeds. I've been looking outside more. I've been more cautious. We all fear. What the fuck am I looking at right now? It, this might just be the start of things, and it could get worse. I don't. Go ahead. Can we pull up this this cast of characters here <laughs> so I can figure out what the hell happened? Yeah. Okay. Let me see um, if I can find a still frame. Uh, there's there's two okay, of them. So you want all from four? left. I want all four from left to right. Had, uh, camera feeds. I've been looking okay, okay, let's pause it. All right. Let's, let's see if we can figure this yeah, out. All right. From left to right, that's male to female trans. And then yes. we have male to female trans again, yes. male, female to trans again, and, and then female to male trans I think or so. fat lesbian. Yeah, I think it's four trannies or maybe three trannies and, uh, and a lesbian. Is this a polyamorous relationship situation? Unclear. They don't explain. And I, I dude, I understand. Okay. On principle, you can't go peeing on other people's property and all that. They Dude, arrested they the should, wrong people. They, they got on. the wrong guy. In you a just the world, guy. these people would all be incinerated in their beds. Or, I mean, like <laughs> your, your doorstep just got pissed on. Okay. You guys are lucky that people aren't like pitchfork mobbing you out of town. I, I, I guess they haven't caught the guy who did the peeing, but I, l- let me phrase it another way. They're that searching person for the has wrong two man. trans kids. Jesus. And that's the thing. That, that's the, Okay. There are um, alternatives lifestyles, okay? But the questions, like you say, are these people all romantically involved? It's implied that the the two on the left are by their uh, embrace there. But the big question here, the guy second from the right, so the guy in the floral hoodie or whatever I'm looking at with the purple hair, that guy claims to be the mom of a 14 year old and a 12 year old, both of whom are also trans. 
Yeah. How are both of those kids trans? How does this guy have custody of them? Is he, in fact, the father? If so, how did he get custody and not mom? Where's mom? Or did he adopt these kids and make them trans? If so, was the state a party to that? How did this come to be? There is for sure some ass raping situation going on. And if not, uh, you know, convincing your kids that they're trans is some kind of weird sexual abuse anyway. So all these people need to face the wall. All right. (laughs) Uh, Metaphorically. Uh, This this person that pissed on their doorstep is a small hero. He needs a parade. I I just. uh, Okay. This is. um. I mean, Bro. Th- this this is a really challenging case where it's like, all right, you don't have the right to pee on people's property on the porch. You can't do that. I don't really want the heavy hand of the state intervening Does with people's parents. Does this challenge you and, at all? Does and it, parental do you really find this Dude, challenging? This is the case where it's like, uh, you know what? CPS raid, man. I just totally. Th- this I've is the never one. cared about property rights less in my life than I do in this case. This <laughs> the fact that we're all supposed to look at this news report and say, wow, this this mom is very concerned for his uh for her, for her uh, trans children, what a good mom! I, it's very upsetting that this mom is being attacked. I don't, again, don't get me wrong. I don't want people coming on my porch and peeing on my property either. However, if I'm supposed yeah, you're to assess, not a total freak show that's raping kids. If I have so. to assess, what is the greater threat here? Can any of us actually say that it's drunk guy peeing on the flag? You can't do that. There probably should be charges for such a thing. But for all of us, the fact that we're expected to look at this and not have any questions and think it's normal. And if you have any questions, you're a hateful bigot who just can't accept that other people live in ways different from you. Okay. I mean, where is your line, man? Because this number one, this is fundamentally untrue. We're asked. We're asked to accept premises about these people that just are not true. They're claiming to be things that they're not. And number two, if you think that these children are not being abused, even in the even in the non-physical way, the psychological abuse of leading them to believe. Then you all are these delusional lies. about the nature of trans people in this country. This is this is one of the most insane family situations I've ever seen. And and okay, the it's just trans normal. people go two ways. This is and one hundred percent of trans people fall within two camps. They either are being sexually exploited, or they're perverts that are sexually abusing other people. That, that is the only way you can be if you're trans. Some of them are that graduate from camp A to camp B, and that's how that happens. But yeah. like, uh, what am I supposed to think other other than that? I, uh, I don't know. I, I don't know. This is uh, <laughs> it needs to be a sitcom or something like that. It's what, so what fucked up. It's what like this is, kids. this is a murder suicide waiting to happen. That's what this is. Yeah. Either by one of these guys killing the other or the kids coming to realize the truth and doing it to these air quotes parents. I, I really oh, would like to know so the, awesome. the circumstances of the child custody here. I would, I, I have to know how the hell did that happen? What created this situation? How oh, may God smite us all. <sighs> anyway, are you ready to get back to something wholesome and get into the movie review? I guess so. It was wholesome. All right. In a world of movie references flying over his head, one man will finally watch them. This is the Matt and Blonde Show Movie Review. Tonight's movie is the 2010 DreamWorks animated adventure How to Train Your Dragon, in which a misfit boy ends the war between Vikings and dragons by befriending one and learning that the enemy is not as evil as believed. 
from movie picker Gabe. An awkward, clumsy, pathetic excuse for a Viking literally stumbles into becoming best friends with the most deadly of his enemies. A wonderful demonstration of how someone can struggle through the confusion of conflicting moral ideas and be thrust into increasing amounts of responsibility, ultimately growing into a man, a leader, and eventually husband material. This movie is riddled <laughs> with small details that make rewatches even more enjoyable and characters even more likable. Uh, with many moments of fascinating cinematography and an absolutely incredible soundtrack, there is so much about this movie and its sequels to love. Of course, we had a surprisingly great um, face swap. I know. From yeah. Jamie and Jeannie this week. I know there was difficulty Aww. last week with the Emperor's New Groove, so I assumed with an animated movie, we weren't be able to. We're, uh, we're not going to be able to get the usual video face swap submission. Um, it's okay. <laughs> But uh, but the the stills worked out pretty well, and uh, and here is the the video face swap that was actually possible and came out pretty decent. Oh, we were able to get one. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right, I admit it. This is pretty cool. It's amazing. He's amazing. Not oh, bad. gay balls. That's pretty good. <laughs> All right. As always, your review and your rating. My review of these of these uh, children's um, movies are always short, so I apologize. But I did think this was really cute, um, and I like how the story centers around being who you are versus, and then having that uh, that dichotomy with like how your family wants you to be. But the most important philosophical theme is is knowing himself. Like he knows from the beginning, no matter what his father wants, that um, he's not a killer. And he's like, I, I can't do this. Like, what do you what do you want from me? So he finds another way, um, in, in an ingenious way, and then through that, um, gains the family and the community's acceptance. And I I like that he had a moral core. Um, it was a fun watch. My daughter really liked it. It was it was cute. It reminded me of when when did this come out? Twenty ten. Yeah, even back then, I think that movies were just better, especially children's movies. There was like no propaganda in this. I think there is a little bit, but there I, is there is some warrior chick stuff going on, but that was that was Viking culture. So I'll make the case. Okay, okay. I gave it a four out of five. I really liked it. I thought it was cute. Before suggesting that I hated this movie or something, I didn't. Um, I just I see. Maybe it's because I'm so jaded now that I can't help but see when I see shades of propaganda. I think I see what you bastards are doing. No, my kids won't. But was it? This. Did I miss it? Well, I'll get to that and things I didn't necessarily like um, okay. things I did like. I, I'm just a sucker for this aesthetic. I know that um, that that's totally subjective, but it's my movie review and I'm allowed to be totally subjective. I just love the Scandinavian Viking setting. I know it was kind of like inauthentic because they got Scottish accents for some reason, whatever. It's clearly not aiming for like, it's got dragons. It's not historical accuracy or something. It's a, it's a fantasy movie. So I, I just, it, it had all the cool snow ape boxes. It's got the cool axes and the awesome boats and the themes of futility and failure that, that honor the Minnesota Vikings football team even. So it really checked all the boxes there. I love this line when, um, when, when stoic um, hiccups, dad is grappling with the fact that his son is not who he wants him to be. And gobber the, the other Scottish accent, Viking guys trying to help him through that. He delivers this briefly delivers this line about parenthood that is 100% correct. You can't stop him. You can only prepare him. 
And it, it's such a great way to summarize what proper fatherhood is. Fatherhood is not about protecting your children from every possible threat that the world may bring to them. You can't do that. Mm-hmm. And that's not what raising a good man means anyway. You have to raise your sons to be able to protect themselves because it's all about promoting self-sufficiency and independence. A good man is an independent man. And so a good father raises his son to be so. And it was just a great moment of parenthood philosophy that I loved. Um, there's kind of some themes of, about like working smart and not hard that I, that I appreciated. You kind of got at this where there are traditions are good and we should, I think we should default to them. The traditions are generally time tested and there's a reason that we adopt them. That said, you also have to be uh, critical of everything that you do and ask questions about why you do things the way you do and the behaviors you engage in every day. And if you can't answer why you do those things or you can't think creatively about how to solve problems, you won't ever get to, to new ways of achieving things, new technologies, new ways of solving those problems. And that's kind of the way that, that Hiccup worked. Like we got this dragon problem. Uh, historically, yeah. it's been we've solved it or managed it through being big, tough guys who fight them. I can't really do that in the same ways. So I'm going to think a little more creatively about how to solve this. Lo and behold, he's got this great solution. Um, it, it's, it's not a, ideally, of course you want to work hard and smart, but it's an order of operations thing. You want to think critically about the way that you work before you put forth that effort. So you don't waste a bunch of time and effort. And by doing that, he, he weirdly became the best or the most capable Viking despite his limitations, mm-hmm. which is kind of cool. Um, you talked a little, this is related to what you were saying about sort of understanding your role. Uh, and I appreciated that too. You kind of, the, the trick is really identifying your niche and working within it. This was, this is a, a standard like misfit becomes hero type story, but it, it's the yeah. right balance between the sort of flowery, you can be whatever you want to nonsense, which isn't really true. And, and sort of crippling limitations of like, understand what you suck at and don't try to do that. What, yeah. what Hiccup did, and this is exactly what I will teach my kids one day. is like, Everybody has a range of talents and abilities. You're going to be better at some things than others. You're going to be worse at at other things than others. It's on you to find your niche and maximize what you can do within that. Like not everyone's going to be an NFL player. Not everyone is going to be a rock star, but there's something that you do better than most. And you need to find what that is through trial and error and maximize your potential within that. That's exactly Mm -hmm. what Hiccup did. Like he's not going to be the big, brawny Viking man, but he's got some creativity and engineering skills that he can apply to this problem and, and, and uh, brings a solution to it. So yeah, that, that was great. There's, I, I am 99% sure this was not the intent of the movie, but there are some anti-feminist themes in that, uh, Astrid is trying her hardest to be the most fearsome Viking warrior and she still can't even beat the man who is like disinterested, weak, doesn't care. He still becomes, you know, the, the, he, he achieves all the Viking goals before she does. Despite her top tier effort, not only that, yeah. she ends up in the traditional female role of kind of future wife. Yeah, that's true. Which I'm not saying that to diminish her. I think that's great, but it's interesting that you, it, it looks like it's going to be a setup for her to be like, the Mary Sue type character. She just achieves everything. She's a woman who has no faults and she's going to be better than men and everything. It doesn't really go that way in the end though. It's kind of, 
It's not. It doesn't take the feminist path I was expecting it to. It so was those, 2010. It was a better time. I don't know what to say. Now, here's where I'm talking about potential angles of propaganda. And one of these, I think, is a lot stronger than the other. In fact, the second one I put in here, maybe it doesn't even belong in there because I think it's kind of a stretch. But I'm so sensitive to what I perceive to be propaganda that I have to talk about these things. I think that the whole storyline has at least some shades of globo homo propaganda. Okay, the idea being, no, the dragons aren't evil. They're just misunderstood. So actually, we should strive to understand the dragons and integrate them and bring Vikings and dragons into this diverse melting pot where everybody's happy no. together. No, uh-uh. how uh-uh. that that is the that's the fundamental theme. No, it might just be a, a an animal love kind of thing. I, I was fine with it. Don't ruin stuff d- with your brain. I just like this idea that if people, I guess things in this case, not people, if something's trying to kill you, that you should have this philosophical exercise about why they're trying to kill you because they actually probably have their reasons. Meanwhile, they murder you while you're sitting around thinking about that. Animals can't murder you. <laughs> these dragons are killing people in the thousands or the hundreds or whatever stoic said but it's good to see animals and understand animals for what they are and their instincts i guess but he but in his reasoning hiccup was applying human-like reasoning to them they only do it because the evil dragon overlord makes them and if they don't serve him then they'll be killed yeah but he was kind of like a pussy kid so well, i understand that that brings me into the second piece and again this I, I'm more committed to that first piece of propaganda. I think that is a bullshit point, and I'm not a big fan of it. The second one, I don't know. But I think there are shades of some anti-masculine propaganda insofar as, oh, look, like the weak boy who can't do anything ends up being the big hero. So you should really strive to be like some brainy nerd instead of a, you know a strong traditional man. The reason I'm backing off that criticism, and I think it's probably a stretch to say that's what the movie's going for, is because it is only through the strength and support of his traditional strongman father that that Hiccup actually achieves the defeating the giant super dragon and all that. Um, and and really, what a what a, a good man should strive to be is both. You want to be smart and strong. You want to be intelligent and physically capable. And I think this movie kind of demonstrates that that that. You want to have that hiccup sort of curiosity and engineering skill and, and thought, but you want to be tough and strong like his dad. Like the ideal man would be a blend of both of them. So I thinking about this after that, I don't think the movie is trying to do some anti-masculine be a weak boy type propaganda. Um, it's just I could perceive it being read that way. So I did include the point. And then um, the only other thing I wasn't a huge fan of. And I know it's a kid's movie, a kid's plot, whatever. But the ease with which the dragons are just like, oh, we're good now. And the kids can just ride them all of a sudden. And there's no more conflict between dragons and people just because uh, Hiccup declared the the conflict over or something like that. You know, Your ability uh, to destroy a harmless film with your giant brain is unparalleled. <laughs> well, unparalleled. The, the, mo- the premise at the start is, remember, a dragon will always go for the kill. Oh, wait, except for all these dragons that I work with every day when they suddenly decide to be nice and you can ride them to save the day if you want. Okay. It was a little too easy, a little too cutesy in that regard, but that's what they went with. Anyway, I still gave it the same rating that you did. I gave it a perfectly respectable four wiki. Good. 
So it was more like three and a half, but half wikis round up. And I've been on such a streak of mediocre and poor ratings. I, I just felt compelled to reward a movie that I enjoyed watching. Yeah. Uh, I looked back. The last four I gave was In the Mouth of Madness on November 25th. That was forever ago. Yeah. And the last five I gave was the week after Eternal Sunshine and Spotless Mind. So I gave nothing okay. higher than a three through 2024 to date. So I'm glad to, to break that streak and. Um, it, this is a, this is a, a movie I potentially would revisit with, with my sons later. I could see watching it again. So it was fine. It was I'll give great. it, I'll give it positive marks. I, okay. I just, I'm surprised you're not receptive to the, you should accept the dragons. The dragons are nice actually type, type, uh, messaging. I, don't know. I, I'm just trying to get over the, uh, the seeing propaganda in all of my media. Hmm. Like if I can just, because I think that leftists have a lot to offer the art world and if i can just tone down my ability to point out all of these things because it's not influencing me anymore like it was a not- different it was a different time too and i look at it now and think you bastards mean that the cartel should flow across the border freely and and we should all just <laughs> act like they're not evil and it clearly like in in the context of its time i don't think that's necessarily what they meant but you yeah. you you view these things in the modern context but totally yeah. uh the the audience rating is right there with us, uh, almost 40% giving it a four and a fifth of people giving it a three and actually a fifth of people giving it a one. So it's kind of all over the place, but yeah. I suppose mostly positive. Uh, the list was rejected in the vote last week. So thanks to listener Gabe, we were only able to take uh, a couple of Gabe's nominations because we had the off week when your daughter was born. But um, we have a random selection from the IMDb top rated list for next week and that's back to the future which i have never seen that's movie i have also never seen back to the future that's good that's a movie we clearly should know so man we'll check it out and after that we have a fresh list of nominations for march from listener matt the new list is fist fight the book of eli frailty the boondock saints jackie brown the road hot fuzz nobody or of course you can reject the list in favor of another randomly selected top rated Mm. movie instead and i will also mention there's uh there's the the portion of the rejuvenated discord server that is devoted to discussing our movie reviews and providing movie reviews of your own if you'd like to do that uh i will link the discord server from each and every movie review each week if you want to chat with other listeners about how bad my movie reviews suck and other related topics but if you'd like to read my movie reviews get in on the discord server comment how wrong i am submit your own rating vote for the next movie and or sign up for the chance to be the movie nominator for the month the one and only place to do all of those things is in my movie, my weekly movie review column linked in the description and on the homepage of the website. That is Matt Christensen media dot com. And that'll do it. Time to catch up with our chatters. Let's see. Uh, who was the last one? I got just a couple on rumble here. The one I left off on over on YouTube and tippy is Jerry Smith. Okay. Uh, IRL con over on rumble says Navalin worked with the, Oh, Navalny uh, worked with the CIA and Bellingcat and, and, and the, and uh, MI six, the British intelligence agency. Is that uh, correct? For yeah. regime. Uh, yeah, it's, it's yeah. British intelligence uh, for regime change against Putin. His poisoning was also highly sus and psyop like, okay, so maybe there's more to his extremism or subversive activities. Uh, 
I certainly am not an expert on the conduct in which he has engaged. Maybe there's more to it than I understand. I'm going to be suspect anytime the official title, the official charge is just extremism. He was too extreme. Mm -hmm. If you show me like a plot to have Putin assassinated or something like that, like, okay, I mean, that makes more sense. Um, And maybe that's out there. I don't know. I'm not an expert on how this uh, worked out, but I do know neither are the people who are, uh, demanding Putin condemnation while simultaneously enjoying similar type of behaviors going on in our own country. Thank you. IRL con appreciate yeah. it. Laser 47. Matt and I once made love. I slayed his, his dragon. Oh no. Earning no, me the um, nickname toothless. The whole experience gave me some hiccups. Well, that was clever. I like that. That's disgusting. We're good on uh, rumble. Good on odyssey. Good on D Live. Let's catch up on YouTube and Tippy. Who was the last person who said John Smith? I had Jerry Smith. Uh, my younger brother died of fentanyl overdose, a fentanyl overdose in September. He was only 22. Got to get the cartels off I 90. Well, man, I'm very sorry Good to hear Lord, it. Good Lord, I'm and so sorry. All the best to you and your family. That um, That's what terrible. And, and yeah, you, you think I 90, like I 90 is what connects our two towns, and that's yep. almost to Canada. And you think that we're away from such things. We're clearly not. We're really not. Yeah. And uh, man, what uh, September. What a is. nightmare. I'm so all, sorry. All the best to your family, man. I'm, I'm really sorry to hear it. Speaking of um, cartel and criminal activity on I 90, did you hear that there was uh, some illegals stabbing people in Bozeman uh, last weekend or? Within the last what week. What are you doing in yeah. Bozeman? They, uh, they're held now in Gallatin County custody with an ICE detainer, as in they are not legally here. And um, I don't know the, the specific history of these particular men, but one might speculate that they, they could be involved with trafficking on I-90 in exactly the way you're describing. I'm so. sure. I'm sure that's what they're doing. Um, Thank you, Guardian. Naval captains command ships or submarines. Admirals command naval captains. No American who has not served on a U.S. Navy ship or sub should ever be called admiral. I don't understand how he has that title and why it applies to his role in HHS. It's been explained to me. I still don't get it. It seems no, I don't know. Given the jokes about the Navy, maybe uh, Dick Levine seems like he might get along on a submarine. But, but I don't know. No, uh, <laughs> I'm sure there are plenty of sailors who are very glad Dick Levine is nowhere near their sea craft. <laughs> Moist farts. I lost a close friend this week. Juan Darius Steinbergstein, a.k.a. Blonde's nose. He didn't lie. <laughs> I just can't find him. I'm sure we'll see him again in six months. Butt sex. Love you, faggots. You <laughs> Never again. I'm not having any more kids. Everybody cram it. Uh, thank you for that. that was a good one. <laughs> That's I mean, funny. Oh, I miss her. Uh, Bane Coop. This is the best response for Susan. Thank you for submitting your appeal to God. After further review, we've determined that your son will remain dead. God. <laughs> we know this must be disappointing. <laughs> I thought we were going to be better Jeez. than this. I got to send this to my mom. Uh, well, I don't know. I've... Thanks for supporting the show, Bane Cove. Um, gorgeous ma'am. How are you supposed to do the math when math is racist? Get with the program, Barbara, Barbara Lee. It is racist because black people can't do it. That's the real reason. Tool of white supremacy. I have been informed. I don't yep. know what Barbara Lee thinks about it. Um, Joshua 029. Truth. So- oh, I was supposed to skip this one. Sorry, Josh. Thank you. Uh, Daniel Yeager. 
Trump's recent media merge with digital world acquisition, where he holds roughly 70% of the shares would be worth 3.9 billion per CBS. If it goes through, he's always got something in the works, you know? Yeah. I, uh, I, I don't think even if he was forced to pay, this is not going to be a situation I think in which Trump is, uh, is put on the streets or something like that. But even in content, like think about how gigantic that deal is a $4 billion deal. They are bringing what could be about an eighth of that in penalty in New York. If, if it ends up holding up with the interest 460 billion uh, million rather, or something like that. Billion million. Yeah. I just forget. I forget what Jillian we're even talking about. It makes me into Joe Biden. You're right, but it's a lot of money. Over a billion, 200 trillion, 200 billion (laughs) dollars. Mint 20. Regarding Trump's New York situation, the law is whatever the people with the guns say. The law is politics may be downstream from culture, but culture is downstream of law and law is downstream from power. True words have never been spoken. It's uh, it's yeah, it's not supposed to be that way, but there's no deny. I mean, for me to to sit here and act like it, that's not the way it's playing out in practice right now would be delusional. Uh, yep. we're, we're supposed to have a system of law, not of uh, arbitrary enforcement by men in that way. And we're all supposed to swear allegiance to a system that will not do that under uh, harsh penalty if we betray that oath. By we allegedly, uh, by, we have by um, us all. I mean people who are um, you know in in positions of political power who take such an oath. Not necessarily every individual citizen, but well, every uh, individual citizen to the extent that it's that we're bound to law. I mean, we can't do this in our in our daily lives. We're only bound to the uh, to feeling the effect of the law enforced upon us. We don't get the uh, the benefit of enforcement <laughs> ourselves. You know, what a nightmare. Tortuga. I need me an illegal migrant to cook me dinner, preferably Mexican. Also, if they go ahead and feed feed it to me, give me a foot rub, and then go clean my bedroom for me, that'd be swell. Maybe the uh, that, the Haitian invasion is worthwhile. If I get uh, yeah, if I get some cooking and a foot rub out of the deal. Oh, all right. totally. Maybe getting stabbed later will be worth it if the, if the home be, cooking yeah. is great. Uh, knuckle hunky buck. You can't say Minnesota Vikings football team that makes people think you're talking about the Redskins because football team was their official name a couple years ago. I liked that. Or I liked when it was the Washington football team. They took away the Redskin name and they didn't have a new name. It eventually became the Washington Commanders. But was it one season or two where they were just the Washington football team? I don't that was remember. The name. Because I don't do sports ball. Yeah, Washington football team. That was great. I have I have other vices. Okay, my bread and circuses right now is that I'm watching Lena Dunham's Girls. Oh, what? I, I don't know what to say, but I love these like. Why are you when gay? leftists when leftists make shows that tell a greater truth about their lifestyle, but it's an it's an accident. So it happened mm. with the show The Wire, which is an excellent show. It just like is totally revealing about black culture. And I don't even think that they realized what happened, but this also happened with girls and girls is actually a hilarious show that captures this millennial zeitgeist and like what happens to your soul when you're super promiscuous. And I don't even think Lena Dunham realized it. That show is art. It is so funny. You like it for reasons it's not supposed to be liked. In other words. It's funny. I I don't know what to say. Like I I find it like a like a charming show that captures the essence of being a millennial. Hmm. It's the only good thing she's ever done. Like she's a talentless hack, but she she did do this. I guess I haven't seen it. To be fair, there are a lot of gratuitous sex scenes, and you do have to see Lena Dunham's tits like just constantly. You are gay. I'm not gay. <laughs> I'm not. Uh, Ryan Haas Haas. Sorry. 
Matt, you picking up hints of propaganda in the movie makes me wonder if you listen to anything from Blackpilled. Might not huh. be your cup of tea, but his movie analysis are really interesting. His movie analysis of um, American Beauty was so good. It was hmm. so good. Um, I don't. Uh, I, I I have not seen the content, so I I wouldn't. Um, yeah, I wouldn't know. I, I mean, I don't know. Maybe maybe I am too sensitive to themes of propaganda. I suppose. I mean, I, mean, I just need to allow myself to enjoy things a little more easily, but everything's propaganda now you have to you have to be on the lookout you should watch I, girls i don't know i i, I i'm not going to sit here and act like i'm above uh such a thing because my wife and i enjoy our fair share of trash tv and so love is blind there is a new season of love is blind that just came out in fact i'll probably see some of it tonight um you know what was an interesting show? I told you about this a little bit off air, but the audience might like to know about this. The show The Trust on Netflix. Hmm. The Trust is about, uh, well, as, as the name implies, there's a financial trust. It's like 10 or 11 or 12 people who all go to this island with Brooke Baldwin of former former CNN host fame, offended by Clay Travis saying boobs on air fame. That Brooke Baldwin. And if they all get to the end, they get an equal share of this $250,000 trust, but they can vote each other out of the trust or not vote. The the dynamics of eliminating people are kind of complicated. So I'll, I'll spare you those details, but they're the producers and the rules of the game install, install all sorts of incentives to backstab and vote people out of the trust and eliminate people rather than working together so that everyone gets an equal share of the money. And as you can imagine, like a lot of these shows, sort of teams or cliques form within this dozen or so people. And without any kind of organizing idea, it, it sort of it, it naturally becomes white guys versus black chicks. It's like well, that's these, how it goes. It's like these white guys being like, listen, man, I don't want to vote anybody out, out of here because I want us all to, to get out of here and do well and have money. But these black chicks are definitely going to they're scheming against us. They're going to get us. If we don't get the black chicks first, they're definitely going to get us. <laughs> it's just it's like the way that the show sort of racially segregates organically is yeah. fascinating to watch. That's it, how it goes. If you're that's why like just the social dynamics of it are, are really insightful. And if you're into that sort of thing, even though most people would properly tell me I'm ridiculous for having a Netflix subscription in the first place and it should be deleted immediately. I grant the point that you uh, on principle are right about that um, for the sake of trash TV entertainment and my family, which my wife and I enjoy sort of our, a lot of our together time. I have to bend on that particular principle. And so I enjoy <laughs> this nonsense. Um, it's okay. It's okay to have a, if you're the sort of person who indulges the trust and uh, if you ever watch it, I'll be curious to hear your opinion on it. Um, Robo Steve, uh, what I, what I have to pay 10 bucks to say blonde is 160 pounds of loveliness. No way I'm doing that. I know I am super fat, but I did give birth only like 20 days ago, 21 days. ago. That's a pretty valid excuse. I would say. It is. Um, Russell Dufresne. I remember when neither of you had kids and Matt was gay. It's been great seeing you both grow of the years while continue to put out great content. I continue to offer my support. Thank you so much. We appreciate it. Well, thank you. I will take the uh, the kind words and the support, even if it is backhanded in that way. Thank you. No, it's not. Citizen 7. 
Matt, the key thing about the Fannie hearing is that she admitted she took money from her first campaign fund to reimburse Wade for travel expenses. Last I checked, that is campaign finance fraud. Yeah, totally. Well, in the way that, so what is alleged here, what she's saying she did and the documentation shows, she did not take campaign money and give it to Wade. She, in the past, when she was running for, for her, for this judgeship that she didn't get, she took personal money and loaned it to her campaign and kept some of that in cash, which if we believe her story about reimbursing Nathan Wade with cash, which I don't even believe at all. I don't believe that the money ever went to him. Um, But if you believe that that happened, that would the the trail of money would still be personal bank account to personal piggy bank to Nathan Wade. It wouldn't be personal bank account to campaign. Even if it went to campaign, the campaign had a debt to her personally and would have to be paid back, at which point it would become her personal money again. So even yeah. though I take I'm, I'm not trying to uh, to simp for Fannie Willis here. I just think given the the documentation that has been shown, this doesn't look like a campaign finance okay. fraud or campaign finance crime. It looks like she exp- she said something that sounds very suspicious, but in the way that it actually uh, played out, at least according to the documentation, was not. Now. Could the documentation be wrong? Do I trust Fannie Willis in general? No. No. <laughs> I just I just don't I don't think that that was an admission of a campaign finance crime in the way that it kind of sounds like because there is what appears to be a valid explanation for it. Yeah. Not that anything else she said was validly explained. I just uh I think that 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 particular point was not what she meant to say. Um, Jason takes says my least favorite thing about Matt is that I pretty much never disagree with him, but the movie <laughs> reviews fix that. Thanks. Well, why does that name sound familiar? That's good because if you agree with someone on everything, that's, that's not necessarily healthy either. So I'm glad that's I've been true. persuasive. And if, if I'm, if my least persuasive area is my movie reviews, that's, um, that's good enough for me too. I would prefer to be persuasive in other areas that I think matter more. So no, it's important though. It is. It's. It's a commentary on culture. Nugget Hunky Buck Admiral is the least confusing thing about Rachel Levine. Well. That's true. Totally. That yeah. So true. Two dogs. Mike D. I'm jealous that y'all get to watch Back to the Future for the first time. I'm getting chills thinking about the sax kicking in from Huey Lewis and the news back mm. in time. Enjoy. It better be fine. Uh, well, the pressure's on. I, I have to give it a five now. Uh, I don't know. I mean, I'm, I'm generally familiar with the concept. It seems like a movie I might like. I, I like sort of campy 80s stuff, so I could see myself liking this movie, but we'll see. Depends on if it's propaganda to tell me that the dragons should come across the border, actually, or not. Oh, man. Um, is that the last one? I have Esoterica Unbound. Two days ago, the algorithm sent me a pearly video where she calls out someone named Rebecca, though wrestling in a tub of pudding wasn't the first idea I had for resolving their conflict. I got there eventually. So she has a feud with someone else named Rebecca or this is you. Um, it's probably me. Nobody sent me a video though. Uh, hit me up on Twitter. If you actually saw a video where, cause we did have some spats on Twitter. Have you, has she made a YouTube video about you in the past? No, so. you would be the first to see it if it existed. I would think. I don't know. I mean, somebody would have to send it to me cause I don't know watch her content. So, hmm. and she does a lot of shorts that have like, not very many views. She's really trying hard to stay relevant, which is why she's in a spat with a 36 year old YouTuber. That's been doing this for like eight years. And barely you're so irrelevant. Time. You're now talking to me. 
I know. How embarrassing. Like, what's your deal? <laughs> Go have a baby, you giantess bitch. <laughs> okay. Up yours. Anything else before we get out of here? No, I think we're good. Okay. Well, appreciate you guys uh, and your contributions to the live show as always. Thank you for your participation. And uh, if you are listening later on demand, thank you kindly for supporting the show as well. Appreciate um, everybody's super chats, of course, and supporting the show. In addition, thanks for keeping the show operational. If, um, if you'd like to find anything else show related, including more material to listen to, like my Wednesday night show, the Matt Christensen hour, check out the, uh, the website, mattchristensenmedia.com. You can get both shows on audio platforms uh, as well. Apple Podcasts, Google Play, all of those platforms are available over on the podcast page. And um, you can always uh, message us through the website as well. Again, mattchristensenmedia.com. Find everything show-related. We'll be back next Sunday, because if it's Sunday, it's not Meet the Press. It is the Matt and Blonde Show. Have a good night. Bye, guys.